The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Go get a cup of coffee in here, please. Uh. Attention, people of Earth. We have damn good coffee and hot. That's right. It's damn good coffee and hot. How are you this morning? Good morning, everybody. It is, what the fuck day is this? Oh, it's Wednesday. I'm sorry. I'm already cursing, just trying to figure out what day it is. It's Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. Beautiful day to be alive. But then isn't every day a beautiful day to be alive? Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, um, <coughs> Maybe I'm not alive. Maybe I died in my sleep. Oh. So um, the world is going backwards. Good morning, Otis Hicks. Haven't heard from you in a while. Otis, you got to come back on the show sometime. Um, the chat room is... Uh, pretty empty right now just Otis in there all by himself at at this moment Uh, but we'll expect that to pick up last night I had a great show with uh, Lori Garver Lori Garver is a former uh, deputy administrator of NASA uh, starting from uh, the Obama era uh, worked five years under uh, that administration and was responsible for transforming, upgrading, uh, creating a new space age within NASA. Now, of course, that's going to be an interesting program for me because there are so many conspiracy theories and distrust of NASA and people, even the people who aren't flat earthers or fake moon landing nutcases, think NASA could be wasting a lot of our money, don't understand the benefits we get out of the billions of billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars we spend on other planets when things are just so messed up down here on this planet. So it was a, a really good conversation. But surprising to me to find out that nobody has ever in her life uh, approached her with the idea of the moon landing was fake. This is a deputy administrator of NASA. Allergies are kicking in. Excuse me, folks. Damn it. Every morning lately, summertime allergies. uh, Shocking to me that nobody has ever, uh, never even given her any hint that, uh, you know, they believe the moon landing was fake, but she did debunk it quite a bit. And, you know, uh, but we started talking about the budgets and, and the kind of money we spend there and trying to quantify that for value and what people get out of it. Now, her big thing, 
uh, is what we are learning about climate change. Now, trying to be un- non-political about the whole thing gets really difficult when you're in it because as many people believe the f- Earth is flat <laughs> or that we faked the moon landing, there are that many people who deny that climate change is real. Now, I'm of the the position that the only the only argument to be had, if there's any argument to be had at all, is not whether climate change is real. Is whether man mankind can do anything to stop it, slow it down, or reverse the effects of climate change. But to deny it's happening, you'd have to be fucking blind. You'd have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see what's going on on the planet we live on. That being said, there are still thousands, millions of people who deny it. And a lot of people deny it, don't even know why they deny it. But basically, they've been told to deny it because they are aligned with corporate interests politically that serve the party they are part of. This is why I hate fucking political parties, folks. That derive all their profit from denying, you know, oil companies don't want don't want you to be worried about the climate and and green energy. That would put them out of business if we if we focused all our attention to getting off of fossil fuels, Shell and uh, Exxon Mobil and Chevron, all the big oil giants, get all the billions of dollars they're making right now off this price gouging that they're loving. They're loving this situation right now. Why would they want to get off of that? And so they buy their politicians. The politicians go on Fox News and tell people, oh, climate change isn't real. Gotta deny it. To that, I would say, I have a longer memory uh, than than you do. <laughs> I remember when we had uh, a hole in the ozone, and people said, "Well, there's nothing we can do about that." But the NASA people, yeah, NASA, the ones you don't trust, were instrumental in figuring out how to reverse that. Now, today, the o- ozone uh, problem is no longer even an issue. It's, it's gone. We fixed it. So to think that, yeah, climate change, is there anything we can do about it? We might as well just throw up our hands, accept it, and let the planet go to shit. It's kind of, it's defeatist, first of all. And listen, I'm not going to be around. I'm not going to, uh, legacy, and, and yeah, I my son passed away. I have nothing after I'm gone. I have nothing, no reason to. For personal reason, no personal investment in this planet. Once I'm dust, I'm dust. But if future generations really care about this world, if if people are looking, people who do have legacy are concerned with it at all, you really have to start looking for not only uh, bridging the gap between the argument and getting off the corporate bullshit train but looking at real solutions for climate change and NASA is instrumental in that so we talked about a lot of those things uh and the idea that when anytime somebody proposes a conspiracy theory about a government agency 
Social Security in the, uh, Administration, we'll just say, we'll just take them as an example. You know how many employees they have? They probably want us as Social Security Administration uh, employee living in your town or on your street. They're all over the place. You, this is how many people you slander when you when you <clears throat> accuse government of all these gigantic conspiracy theories. Even the FBI. You want to take the FBI? You probably know, without even understanding that you know, an FBI uh, employee somewhere. When you when you say the entire agency is is part of a conspiracy, you're painting everybody with that brush. Good people, people you know. I have plenty of friends who work in government agencies. Nobody's in on these big conspiracies conspiracies that people suggest are out there. Uh, so, um, I don't know. <clears throat> Where is dog? Uh, I don't know what you mean by that. A lot chica dirty. I don't know what that means. Where is dog? Anyway, um, so that was a good show last night. I suggest you go go take a look at that. Um, we didn't really spend a whole lot of time on the conspiracy stuff, but I had to bring it up because that's what I brought, that's what I think about now. On the UFO, there's two two fronts about things that we should be concerned about that would change our outlook completely, as far as humanity and borders nationality nationalism um and reagan brought it up uh in a speech i believe it was at the u.n when he said you can imagine how our differences would would all seem so small if we found ourselves threatened by a alien species at some point thinking that you know if we were at war with another planet, another aliens coming down to wage war, uh, America and Russia would get, and China and Iran and, and all these countries who don't like each other. Iran and Israel would become best friends <laughs> if we find ourselves <laughs> attacked by uh, another world. So that's one thing to consider. And it, so that, because all of the space exploration stuff is divided by nations. We have China has their own space program. We have our own space program. Russia has their own space program. And all have different agendas about it. And all are doing it for our own countries. But at some point when you realize this one world, we, we live on one world, worldism, globalism. <laughs> uh, would it's the only way to save us from an attack from another world. Now, I know lots of people who are very big believers in not only that uh, intelligent life exists, but they've been here. They've, they've visited here. And those people are nationalists. And that just doesn't make any sense. If you actually believe that there are other worlds that might be a threat to us, you can't be a nationalist because there's no way the United States of America could fight another planet or defend itself from another planet. <laughs> That's one thing to consider. The other threat that serves the same purpose 
which is a real, much more real threat in my view, and could happen very quickly that we are not prepared for, and hopefully we're getting more prepared for, is the idea of an asteroid uh, on on a collision course. And we've seen how quickly they can sneak over the horizon and say, uh, oh, there's a asteroid the size of Manhattan heading for Earth we didn't know was there, and now it's two months away. Now, Hollywood has made a big big deal of making stories about that kind of stuff, but it's a real honest-to-goodness threat. And so I asked her, you know, have have we improved in our being proactive about looking for them and finding a solution? Because part of this whole fucking world that we live in, the politics of everything, if we had to come to an agreement with Russia or China about the best way to deal with an asteroid facing Earth or coming at Earth, could we do it quickly enough, settle our differences about how to approach it? And it becomes a political discussion then. Because if, God forbid, (laughs) the United States goes out and tries to deal with an asteroid um, on its own, unilaterally, and does something wrong, sends up nuclear weapons, blows the thing apart, and now big chunks of it start hitting Moscow or Beijing. You don't think that would cause hell on Earth? Of course it would. So um, it, it pays, and I know this is a hard sell, especially in these times when nationalism is on the rise in not just in America, in almost every country that exists, national, unless there are small places like little utopias in, in the Caribbean or places that don't really have, you know, like somewhere in the Amazon jungle that doesn't even have internet, doesn't have any TV, doesn't have any modern conveniences. Every other place on the planet, maybe Antarctica doesn't. But every place where we have um, political structures, countries, we have nationalism growing. Pride in the nation. We America first, Russia first, whatever it is. How we're, how are we going to overcome that to deal with the real threats? Now, it became very real, the, the UFO thing for me yesterday. Now, I was, Craig Johnson posted what I thought, and he, it was hoax. I never, I didn't think, Craig was a hoaxer, but he posted uh, helicopters from his backyard, but he thought they were UFOs, and they were, <laughs> uh, or he claimed they were UFOs on Twitter. Now, I kind of, wow, look at that. That does look interesting. Because there were two just bright lights. The way he videoed them did not look like helicopters, and there was no noise, no noise at all. I thought that was interesting. Well, I kind of fell for that. But then I saw on Twitter thousands and thousands of posts from San Diego from about people claiming to have UFO sightings that looked awfully similar to Craig's. And this was before I even knew that his was a hoax. He told me this late last night. But it just started to make me, you know, hyper aware that when I'm talking to a, a former administrator for NASA, that 
we waited. You know, we had people on the UFO front for years and years and years saying the government's not being open about this. The government's not being open about this. We need to more transparency. And then the NASA and the government get together and have open hearings about UFOs. And because our news cycle is so fucking cluttered with insanity, nobody even paid attention to it. We called for it for 50 or 60 years. Like, like it was the most important thing that we want that needed to be addressed. Transparency about UFOs. They have open hearings about UFOs. Nobody I know even talked about it. Nobody I know watched it. I didn't watch it, admittedly. Just funny. Funny, sad, desperate. So, obviously, I'm always a pessimist when I look at, at the state of human affairs. Uh, and I try try to find a reason to have hope in humanity. But then we have days like yesterday where we see, and I know the cult members are going to grasp at any straw they can to try to negate the testimony of the January 6th committee yesterday. Cassidy Hutchinson, under oath, painting a, a very real picture of not just Donald Trump being off the rails, insane megalomaniac trying to take over America through sheer de- uh, deception and uh, bullying and to just try to hold on to the presidency illegitimately by any means necessary. In other words, a fucking coup. Insanity. Insanity about the way he did it. But not just him. The sycophants who are so afraid of him, Mark Meadows is chief of staff when he told it, things are going to be really bad, there's going to be violence. And he doesn't take his eyes off of his phone, keeps his head down looking at his phone. I can't hear that. I can't. I'm too afraid of Trump to do anything, to take any measures about, uh, uh, you know, safeguarding the peaceful transfer of power. We have a former general, Mike Flynn, under oath when asked if America should have peaceful transition of power, taking the fifth. He can't say yes. That A general who swore an oath to protect the Constitution that ensures exactly that peaceful trans, uh, transition of power could not commit to that in a court of law. That's Benedict Arnold stuff. And so very frightening times. And you'd have to be intellectual. You have to be deaf, dumb, and blind or just so fucking drunk on the Kool-Aid to be negating what the significance of yesterday's uh, hearings. Sorry, folks. Sorry, sorry, Trumpers. It's time to wake up to see how you've been used, abused, fooled, and just been a fucking pawn in his game. And I'm sorry. Uh, it, this is it, We're beyond playing games here with, oh, it's just Democrats. Every fucking single person who has testified has been a close ally, has been a supporter of Donald Trump throughout all the way 
up until Election Day and after Election Day in many cases of Donald Trump. Some of the people bent over backwards to serve him, were loyal soldiers of his. Not one fucking Democrat, not one person on the other side has been involved in this testimony that is so damning. It's just a Democratic witch hunt. Well, why aren't we hearing from Democrats then? We're hearing from Republicans. And these fucking idiots that want to say, well, they're all rhinos. They're not all rhinos. Most of them would vote for Trump again because that's how much they hate fucking Democrats. Not because they want they want Donald Trump, because that's how much they hate de- Democrats. This is, again, coming back to fucking division, party cheerleaders for fucking teams. It's ridiculous. So why am I such a fucking pessimist for humanity? There you go. Oh, that rant felt good. <laughs> Time for some coffee. Good morning, people in the chat room. Uh, Mike Zinn says, uh, I always thought uh, that in the back of my head, the only way we could unite as a race would be the appearance of some sort of mothership or something. Apparently... Even that doesn't work, though. That that was the point. I think that was the point Reagan said. Reagan Reagan made with this in his speech, and that was the point I was trying to make. But apparently, it doesn't, doesn't even work because there is enough people out there who actually believe we've been visited. So a lot of you know fucking people out there thinking there's lizard people walking around <laughs> from other planets. You know the, the lizard people. Uh, still nationalism is on the rise so i'm not sure i i that is the theory you would think in theory that mike's assumption would be correct but in practice it doesn't seem to be that way does it anyway so after the show ended last night now keep in mind um <laughs> of Di- uh, not of nice man less rights uh, podcast carl's podcast started at one yesterday same time as the hearing and i like you know what I know Carl and Jamie and Brett were going to be on the show. And I know when they get together, it's not an hour show. It's uh, nine hours, ten hours, whatever it's going to be. So I knew I had plenty of time. So I watched the hearings for two hours and checked on them and then they were having drinks and everybody's having a good time and then you know it is what they what they do and then i watched that for a little bit and then went away and did some work and i came back a couple of hours later and they were still at it i was like i knew these guys these guys are marathoners whenever they don't do a show they do a marathon every time they get on so and it's fine people the these group of people that are involved in that love it and it's all good so i did my show at 8 p.m now keep monday started at one did my show 8 p.m to 9 p.m i come back and i think i'll just check on them to see if they're still going sure enough they're still going and we're back where we were at the end of the potathon i see jamie uh neck back (laughs) snoring like there's something I think Jamie has lost the ability to say, listen, I'm too tired to keep going. I need to check out. You guys go on without me. He'd rather just sit there. And I could not do this. Fall asleep on camera in worst uncomfortable positions 
and maintain that. He, when I got there, he had his head completely back and was snoring, and it looked painful to begin with. And uh, I got there and called said, why don't you pop on? Sure, why not? So I was on for a, a bit over an hour. Jamie woke up for 10 seconds here, 10 seconds there, but remained in a very uncomfortable uncomfortable position, snoring and sleeping in his chair. Uh, it just uh, It's funny, but it's sad in a lot of ways. And uh, he's like, oh, you got, you know, He's going to be embarrassed by that. Well, how hard is it? <laughs> how hard is it just to say, I'm too fucking tired to continue. Please continue without me. But it makes for some good laughs. I mean, so I was asking Carl to blow the picture up so I could do some video with it and just, you know, drive home is embarrassing. This is what guys do. When their friends do some step in dog shit, their friends want to make sure uh, that everybody knows about it, that the stink lingers as long as possible. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a very male, I don't know if women engage in that kind of behavior. Oh, you've slipped on a banana peel. Wait a minute. I got to make sure the whole world knows what a fool you are. Um, this is a guy behavior. So my first inclination was to get as many pictures of, and get some video of Jamie doing that and do what I did at the end of the potathon. Uh, which was something um, I'll just share just a second of it because it's always it's always good to share right I'm, I'm a sharing kind of guy that's what I am if nothing else I'm a sharer so here let's let's look at this, this is all for cancer everybody <laughs> sleep apnea next year we'll be we'll be doing this for sleep apnea <laughs> oh, that was a nice one <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's enough. Anyway, uh, you get the idea. <laughs> um, so there was that going on. So, you know, I'm sure he'll be dealing with uh, the fallout from that for today. And, and that's um, that should be at least fun to watch the ball-busting that goes along with all that. Um, and, you know, Travis <clears throat> Lipsky was on the show yesterday. And I thought, <laughs> I'm just looking on Twitter right now, and, and <laughs> Jamie did the picture of Jamie with his head back and, call, and underneath it, Jamie seeing it and saying, fuck my life. Um, Travis Lipsky was on yesterday, and I thought, he delivered some really good, powerful information for independent filmmakers, people who are uh, looking to make films on their own. And kind of stuff that hadn't been approached before. And I've talked to a lot of independent filmmakers. And he, I think he had quite, he dropped quite a few gems in there. Now, he did tend to um, monopolize and go on a. Uh, long monologue rather to answer questions rather than having was more of Travis talking than a real conversation. I mean, I didn't ask a whole lot of questions. Kiera was quiet almost the whole time. So after we said goodbye to Travis, um, Kiera was like, don't ever do that to, to me again. Obviously she has short attention span and the subject matter 
you know, she's not an independent filmmaker. And if you're not, those kind of long diatribes could definitely um, bore you, no doubt about it. But she, so she wasn't impressed. And I got a few emails uh, yesterday, uh, both pro and con, about the show yesterday. But um, I have to understand, sometimes as a host, you, you're caught between this is good information. This is this is important information that can help people, because I do know so many independent filmmakers that, in my view, are caught up in all the wrong things. Equipment, like equipment's not going to make or break you. There are people who, if you are a good filmmaker, if you are a good storyteller, if you have a, a strong enough vision. You can make a film that people will be watched, entertained, and informed by with your fucking phone. That's not ideal, but you can. Equipment is not the end-all, be-all in filmmaking, but so many guys get caught up in that. The other thing is um, extensive dialogue, over-dialogue, over-using dialogue to the point where we forget it's motion pictures. Motion pictures meaning it should be motion. People can't just watch talking heads, no matter how good, no matter how clever you think you are, how uh, intriguing your your point of view might be to your own self. People are not going to watch 90 minutes of just two people sitting still talking to each other. You got to remember that it's motion pictures. It's motion pictures for a reason. And uh, I think that so many people get caught up in wanting to make films to show how clever their dialogue can be. And it becomes all about dialogue. And I see, as somebody who sees a lot of independent films, so many of them end up with two people in a space talking. Now, Quentin Tarantino can get away with that, uh, but not for two, not for 90 minutes. Not, not for 90 minutes. He adds in action. Action is the word they say. <laughs> it's not just talk. Nobody, no director ever talk. They yell action because there has to be some action. That something has to happen. You can't just have talk. The other point, now Travis was right about this, and I was wrong about this in a way, but I was also right in a way, but wrong in a way. Now, what I'm referring to is the overuse, I think, of popular or dependence on popular music. And I made the point that Goodfellas is rave. And a lot of Scorsese's work gets a lot of praise, but he also depends on the emotions and attachment to successful popular music that already triggers a lot of stuff. The point that I missed and everybody else missed in me making that point, because I talked about Frankie Carbone in the in the Me trailer, in uh, Goodfellas, where he's frozen, and then they're, they're playing the piano ending to Layla. Now that music automatically, and most people who grew up or or knew that music, that music automatically triggers. Emotions, feelings, a uh, 
an atmosphere and an environment for a lot of people as soon as you hear that. So my point being is that, first of all, independent filmmakers generally don't have the kind of budget to go license all that music that can do the work for you. But the other part of it is, as a filmmaker, you want to um, inspire emotions. You want to you want to create feelings for people, and you're taking credit for feelings that were actually created by the music makers, the original music makers, because that that music is instrumental in creating that reaction that the audience gets from it. But you never hear them getting credit for what a great film it was. It becomes a great film that Scorsese made, but he relied on so many musicians from classic rock era to make that movie have all those feelings and emotions that people felt through it. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but if you can contrast that with, why is he always talking about mob movies? If you contrast that with The Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola did not use a lot of pop music, didn't use any pop music, nothing that anybody knew, and was able to create all that emotional impact with original music that nobody ever heard before. So it's different when you go to that artistic route and look for something new to inspire that rather than relying on built-in emotional triggers from your audience. The one thing, the part that everybody missed, myself included, when me, in me making that analogy about Frankie Carbone in the, in the <laughs> meat truck and the uh, Eric Clapton music, is that Eric Clapton stole that music. <laughs> uh, I think it was Rita Coolidge. Yeah, it was Rita Coolidge who wrote that music. Uh, the end of Layla, the, the piano uh, thing at the end of Layla. She played it for Bobby Whitlock, who played it on uh, Layla and and he's the piano player for Derek and the Dominoes. She played it for him, and he stole it, outright stole it. And she didn't even know for a year or so that it was on on making lots of money. And they still, to this day, have not given her credit for co-writing Layla. She wrote verbatim the piano outro, which is a four-minute outro on Layla. So... The, the film relies on music that was created by Rita Coolidge and emotions that were created by Rita Coolidge that Eric uh, Clapton and Derek and the Dominoes uh, appropriated without giving credit to it. So the film is a really um, built upon a lot of layers of other people's uh, creativity. And that was my old point on that. Now, Travis is of, uh, of the opinion that, you know, what does it matter if it's a good film? I, I get that. And he's not against using it. I'm not against using it either. I just think the songwriters, the original music creators, need to be acknowledged when we're talking about the film that the film was not entirely, what you feel when you watch Goodfellas is not entirely the work of Martin Scorsese. A lot of that is built upon the work of others, and we don't. It needs to be acknowledged. It really does, uh, because could you, there are plenty of films that don't do that. That drive home the same emotional impact without using other people's work. When you rely on other people's work, you got to give them credit for it. Anyway, 
care is here now. Uh, I forgot to mention the Peters Parkers. Peters Parkers with both. I think his real name is Paul. I don't know why Peters Parker because that that's like the Spider Man, right? Peter Parker. I don't know. Well, Kiara's with us uh, now. Let, let's bring her and see if she's any more awake than I am. Are you more awake than I am? No. No. Good she morning. Said, no. No. Yeah. No. No. Your head has your head w- movements have to match the words coming from your mouth, or, or it's incoherent. Inco- no, not incoherent. Incongruent. Word. Incongruent. Hmm. Yes. So I, I've been on quite a rant this morning about lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff. You did not uh, visit the program last night just to say the earth is flat and and, and run away. I was going to. Um... I basically forgot because we were food shopping and I'm easy to forget. I know the food, you know, the groceries were like $400 and yeah. Well, I told you every time I go out for some mine and it's just me and my wife. We don't even have kids. I mean, kids, one, one kid is worth like three adults. I think when it comes to grocery shopping, but so, (laughs) um, I go out four times a week, and I always have to bring, you know, a hundred, just about barely. Cut. If I'm just going out for like small things, like I you go out for oh, because you shop. Uh, yeah, that's that's what my father does. He shops like day to day, but we just go one time for the week and just pile it in. And... I can't do that because I lose my patience with the people in in the supermarket. It's it's oh yeah, it's frustrating. It, it really is, a, is. attention convention in there. Yeah, especially now. I think the worst thing I know, I'm not uncompassionate for people with, with special considerations, but I think people are overusing these cars, these shopping cart cars that go. People who can walk on their own and should mm-hmm. be shopping, pushing a cart, are now driving down an aisle with this big wide semi trunk of a, a right. shopping cart and they, they're they not good drivers to begin with. <laughs> right. Oh, mm. no, it drives me crazy. It totally drives me crazy. Mm. Yeah, I don't love the experience at all, which is why I try to pick little points in the day where I know there's not going to be a lot of people in there. I'm going to go run in, get what I need and get out. Exactly. $400. So two shopping carts? Or was it, did $400 worth of groceries fit in one shopping cart? Yes. That's that's the terrible part. It's the same stuff we always buy. And and we use it all during the week. And it's used to be $150. Now it's $400. So. Do you, do you, uh, I, and now uh, I th- I've asked you this question lots, but are you still hopeful that things are going to get better? You or or are we on? Do you think these are the end days that you were living in right now? I like, think we're living in the end days, and I think that how soon? I, you can never. <laughs> you don't know. Nobody knows. No, but you can guess. I'm asking you to guess. How soon? Next week? Tomorrow? Maybe? Maybe Thursday? I don't know. Uh, if it means Jesus is coming, I wish it was today, because this uh, this world is is out of control, and now it's you know. Um, 
I don't know. Um, it's it's ridiculous. So that's well, what that's what I was doing at um, eight o'clock. Shopping. Well, and that would, should be a good time when nobody's there, right? So it would. That's a good time to go eight o'clock at night because nobody else is there. Am I wrong? There were there were people. There weren't as many people as you know rush hour, but there are people. Yeah, and well, everyone's the, nice there. The big so. time, I think, when people go, it, maybe I'm wrong about this, but during the week, it's like right after work, like five that five or six, seven yeah. o'clock. That's the uh-huh. time a lot of people. Yeah, but yeah. we usually we, sometimes we we have Sunday to go then. Morning, Sunday morning is the worst. Sunday. Well, Sun- I will never be caught in the store Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I've made that mistake. I've definitely made that mistake. And like, uh, well, like seven a.m. Uh, not that. No, like ten a.m., eleven a.m. Even you know, at the you church. Would, you right. would think people would be in church. Like that's a good place for. That's a good time to go. But no, 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 no. Well, there's like seven a.m. masses, nine a.m. masses. So, I mean, masses. They... What are you Catholic? Ooh, masses. Oh, no, that's. But that's when the Catholic Church comes yeah. out, and, and all yeah, the other churches yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, but yeah. you know, you gotta you gotta think like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. They're they're coming out. People all the way gathered in their masses. I'm sorry, I got I had a little black. Sabbath war pigs. Yes, yeah. war pigs. <laughs> that's the thing. A minute, I was like, what? <laughs> oh my goodness! I had a dream that. Um, as, as my alarm was ringing, that this very rich woman took me to get a haircut and Alfonso was cutting my hair. But every time, and I just said a little bit because I, I have a fear of getting a haircut because one lady just like chopped it all off. And every time he snipped the ends, he would look in the mirror and comb, and comb his hair and like fix himself. Like he couldn't just give me a haircut. He had to like look at himself in the mirror every, every, every snip. Is Alonzo somebody like famous or something? I don't know. I, I have no idea who this man was. Oh. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> And he said he said, You look very sweaty, but your hair looks nice. And you you look very sweaty. Yeah, and in the mirror my face was all red and I was really sweaty. I don't know. What does it mean? Yeah, somebody you're not gonna me. like the pictures. Um what pictures? Mark Burkhalter, Mark who was at Venetian at Catch last time we played there. Don't post uh, them. Show me first. I'm not going to post them. He, he's a professional photographer, and he took these pictures for us and didn't charge us. He sent us uh, stuff. Now I have to credit him on any use of them. But he kind of uses this grainy, I don't know, grainy filter on stuff that doesn't make, it makes everybody look like lizard skin. And no, you're not gonna you're not gonna like the pictures of you. I mean, the, the only things that look okay is me because oh, I'm I, <laughs> because I'm already that ugly. I mean, I'm an oh, old stop. man, so nah, I'm not it's being false humility here. It's it's basically I already have old man lizard skin, so it doesn't <laughs> really look bad on. It, it looks normal on me. But when he does it, even on Mikey, it just looks like he's wearing like a textured lizard skin mask or something on what? all the photos. Yeah. Can't you like, ask him to send it without the filter? I don't know if he took it that way or whatever. Because he's done photos for us for years, and they all, always look like that. I don't know. Really? What, yeah. And he's, yeah. Oh. Um, I, I need to see at least one. 
I can't show them now. No, uh, no, maybe, no, no, yeah. not. I will, not. I'll send. Yeah, I'll send you a link to them, and you can review them. Uh, yeah. Uh, but and so he he sent us this whole thing about fair you uh, how to use uh, you know uh, credit him and all that kind of stuff. But I don't even want to use them. And I thought we were going to get video. Now there, I have to say there are a couple of. Yeah, there will be a couple that you will want to use because uh, it's more focused on the bird. He's got pictures of you with the bird, the cockatoo, uh, mm. and uh, he, he uses softer, softer imaging on you because the bird has the leather skin. <laughs> what? I'm so curious. What filter? He, he was I, I using a regular camera. He must have gone back and and put it in. No, I, after. I don't, I don't I was, think he. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm curious. Unless his lens is dirty. No, that ain't, he's a pro. He knows what he, he he's uh, and you know he's hired by major corporations to do this work. It's an artistic thing, but I think he actually shoots it that way. I don't think he's doing this in post because it's too consistent. He'd, he'd have to be maybe he had some action set up in Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever. But uh, it seemed like if he was going to uh, go do that stuff in post, it would be an awful lot of work. Anyway, the bottom line is I don't think that we have any use for these, for the photos. I'm disappointed by that. It's, mm. The bird photos. The bird photos are probably the only ones we'll end up using. Damn yeah, bird. bird. I'm surprised how the bird is bigger than I thought. <laughs> at that night because there's a come where the bird is uh standing upright he's got his feathers all back he's looking directly into the camera it's like wow that bird's fucking huge sammy the uh, bird i want a bird like that but he the man i met him the last time we were at the nation um the man said uh he lives for 80 years so that's yeah that's, parrots live like 100 years and stuff too that's, i yeah you can't yeah, have a pet like that because it's gonna outlive you I know. You know what? In some ways, I like that, though, because the one thing I hate about getting a new dog is knowing that you got 20 years at tops before you're going to have a broken heart about this dog. Mm. You bred a puppy, and you love it, but in the back mm. of your mind, you know, the expiration date on the puppy is, is <laughs> you're probably going to outlive it, and that means mm. you're probably going to have a heart broken heart at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, and, then, and, you know, I don't have to imagine, but imagine... Every time anybody has a kid, they know that that kid is going to die before them. Oh, my gosh. That, well, that's what a puppy is like, right? A lot of people treat pets like part of the family. Like I know, but I think it's too far with some people. It's too far with their puppies. It's like, you know, oh, like yeah. the strollers and the carriers. And um, this, oh, yeah. one, this one man my father's friends with, he has a car seat for his dog. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's just too far. It's too far. Well, I was thinking about uh, not car seats, but because I passed a truck on the LIE the other day, and uh, the dog was so far out the driver's side window that he looked like he wanted to jump out. And right. I was like, that would, I would be a nervous wreck with that. Now, you know dogs are smart enough generally not to jump out of a window. They know the car is moving, but still that would make me real. And this dog was making me nervous. He just loved the wind so much. He was just... It, putting half his body out the window i had like, a dog that jumped out of the car it was my brother's dog we were actually fostering dogs um for last chance animal rescue we had like five dogs in the house um and i was taking them all to the dog park and my brother i took my brother's dog too 
So I was at a stop sign and this freaking dog jumped out of the open window, ran across the busy road and just started running down the street. I I've never, I've never, I wouldn't have left the window open. I had to go chase this dog, chase him back into the car. I mean. And he didn't get hurt. He didn't get hurt. Oh, that's amazing. Just, I mean, at the stop sign, he was like, this is a perfect time to run across the street. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he just went. But on the LIE, going 50 miles an hour would be, or 60 miles an hour would be a hole. You'd have splattered dog on the road. Yeah, I lived in Southold, so the busy road was 25, and there's like four cars on it an hour. So Southold's yeah. a nice little town. Why don't uh, you go I back miss there? It. Huh? Why don't you go back there where the cost of living is is better? You no, know? it's it's not better. It is that part of Long. No, the North Fork is be definitely better. South Fork isn't, but North Fork is definitely better than like where I am or where you that area where you are. There's no, there's no places out there. My mother has a house, but she won't rent it to me. So, um, that sucks. There's no, there's no place out there to, uh, to oh, live. My, my allergies are messing with. Yeah, me, I so. know. I me too. Same reason. Ah. I always complain about something. The weather's beautiful today, and now I'm complaining about the allergies. Mm. Um, looks mm. like Saturday night, uh, Saturday afternoon, we're sixty uh, percent chance of getting electrocuted <laughs> or hit with lightning. Is it going to so, be the whole time, or is it going? Fortunately be for me, if we get struck by lightning, it will be you, and I'll just be off on the side watching. Why you're plugged in? I'm plugged in, but you're you're kind of like a lightning rod. You got your your pole right in front of you. You're touching it. I'm not mm. touching that. I'm touching a guitar, but I tell mm. you this, this story about my my uh, brand new Les Paul <laughs> and the lightning. No, I bought a brand new Les Paul. I tried it out for ten twenty minutes. I put it on a guitar stand, and I went into the other room, into the kitchen to get some coffee or something, and. Boom! And it looked like lightning struck in the backyard because I saw the flash out the back door. <gasps> and my, my wife said, did that happen in the other room? I was like, no, you're crazy, not in the other room. And it was in the backyard. It hit the tree back there, but it was as loud as can be. I came into the room and my Les Paul was there and it was smoking. It was smoke coming out of it. It was a nail in the top of the studio here. Lightning hit that nail. And it just went straight down. In, and we had to call the fire department to figure this out. Uh, it hit that nail. The nail acted like a lightning rod. It came down and struck the guitar and just, like, burnt out. This brand-new guitar I just paid, like, What? And the good thing about it is if I had not put it down, I hadn't just stopped playing and go get a cup of coffee, that would have been me. <laughs> so. Wow! Uh, yeah, no, we had to have all the electric redone in the house. It was, it was, it's insane. It's amazing the house didn't burn down. I think it was a sign. Yeah, the sign that I, I picked a good time to put the guitar down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a sign to stop buying guitars or something like that. I, I, I have stopped buying guitars. Yeah. Now Mikey buys a new guitar every week. I don't get that. I don't know. I know. He, he doesn't, doesn't play even play. Guitar. He doesn't even play. He knows yeah. like he knows three chords like you do. Imagine you buying a, a thousand dollar guitar or two thousand no. dollar guitar every week. No, my guitar was was gifted to me for my old boss, and I and and he for well I was learning it upside down and backwards, and then he he was like, "Why are you holding it that way?" So then he restrung it for me, and then I had to relearn everything. So at that point, I was like, "Forget it." 
so I, you know, it just sits there and collects dust. So, so you were trying to play it righty or lefty? I was just playing it like Jimi Hendrix, upside down, backwards. I, I didn't know. I just was learning the chords. And then I was like looking on YouTube and I'm like, well, how come the guy's fingers are over there and mine are over here? And then I'm like, oh, but, and then, you know, at that point I had already learned some, some songs and stuff. So I. That's amazing that you, I've seen you play drums or right-handed drums and play it. I, I, I don't think right people, right-handed people can adjust as easy as left-handed people too. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it felt weird at first, but I, I had no idea that there was a different way to play the drums. So yeah. I set my drums up for right-handed. Right -handed. Um, unfortunately, I think I'm just used to it now because I tried it the other way and it's a, it's like a whole process, a relearning process, and it's frustrating. Right. So I have I have a picture I want to share with you. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can find this here. Is it me with lizard skin? Is it... Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. No. Uh, this is from last week. We a conversation we were having last week. Uh, let me see if I could share this now. It's just a, a share screen window. Remember I told you about the bug man? Oh yeah. That's the that's uh, kids from Copeg riding bicycles and this, that's oh, what the smoke God. looked like and this was all DDT bug oh, spray chemicals. Right. You know I asked Matt about wait first of all it looks like he's firing from a cannon it doesn't even look like a, a I know truck. well that's what it was it was a big cannon on the back of a, a pickup truck they would put it in this huge furnace of ddt that was just pouring stuff out that's what, wow. exactly what it looked like a big old cannon but what it looks like there's just two kids there there's probably 500 kids in that smoke <laughs> wow i asked yeah. matt about that i said did you follow the bug man and he was like no we we were told when the bug man came to stay in the house and not come out so well he's, they he's knew. a few years younger than me I guess they, they figured it out by the time he came around. Well, Mikey's about no, he's not sixty, right? Matt. No, you don't. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, or your parents were just like, "Hey, go in the smoke." Well, my parents weren't didn't encourage it. Mikey's parents encouraged it. My parents just they were they were off gambling somewhere or doing something illegal or something. They were just not. They were negligent. They they didn't care. <laughs> you're you're old enough to take care of yourself. What are you like three? Go ahead, get a car. Yeah. Get, you know when, when are you moving out? Mini Matt, just get a job to the streets. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that you know, I just wanted to show you the bug man case, give you some form of reference. So it's what I was talking about about that. Mm. But so there, uh, that guy who created that need for that conversation the guy who passed away who was my age last week mm. they're having a, f a wake for him on friday nine to eleven friday only a night no in the morning nine a.m oh. to eleven a.m only viewing and then they're gonna bury him right after that oh wow that's very early correct yeah and you know on a weekday, people just, not everybody, most people have to work and just can't just take, go out, you know. Right. With, they almost always have a night viewing or something like that. I just can't, I don't know what sense that makes to have I thought, I, I thought it was usually two to, two to six. Something. I can't imagine anybody's going to be there. I mean, I know I can't. I have a show to do. 
And well, you if know, you have to go, you have to go. Uh, it's a, you can't take off at, at last minute. Just it wasn't, it wasn't my brother. <laughs> if it was my brother, I definitely would. If it was somebody really that important to me, of course I would take off. But it's just a a friend. I haven't talked to him in thirteen years, fourteen years. Wow. You know, I can't. I, I, no, I can't just take off and cancel the show on and be irresponsible to people I made commitments to. To go and you know what? If they really wanted me there, they'd make it more convenient. They'd, they'd have a nighttime service or something. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah. Very early. I I can't. I can't imagine anybody going there. You know, you have to be in the area. To me, it's it'd be an hour drive to get there by ten o'clock, and and you know, whatever. Ah. Anyway, uh, have you been uh, looking at happy news? Anything? Uh, Because my guest last night, Lori Garver, the former NASA administrator, she was very optimistic. And I was like, how the hell can you be? How can can anybody be optimistic in this freaking world we live in? (laughs) Mm. Her book ends on an optimistic note. Like, how? How could it possibly? How can anybody have hope? (laughs) (laughs) That's a terrible thing to say. I felt like that yesterday, grocery shopping. I was like, you know, seriously? How uh, how far how much gas did you spend going back and forth besides to add on to the grocery bill? Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I I don't have any hope. But her, she was very hopeful. So the question to you is: Do you, do you, did you see anything in the news that makes you feel like there's reason, um, reason to be happy, hopeful, optimistic? Any of that? No, right? It's all doom and gloom. Well, Even a happy found... news is like the world's coming to an end. That's happy news. Right. It is happy news. Uh, I found um, I found an article from UPI about bees. And so I, I just wanted to share it because I'm still upset about this bee that stung me. But um, first of all, the headline reads, NYPD beekeepers called to remove 2,000 bees from Manhattan restaurant. So the problem I have with this is, NYPD has their own beekeeper squad. That's nice. What? Okay. Um, So the New York Police Department said its beekeepers division was dispatched to a midtown Manhattan eatery over the weekend to remove 2,000 bees. The bees will now be relocated to an area where their pollinating skills will be put to good use. So I have a bunch of questions. Me too, but go ahead. What are your questions? So they're not really officers they're beekeepers hired for the nypd there's lots of that within like big city departments though people who are not necessarily officers like they have social workers they have they actually have a their own carpentry department their own mason department their own they have their own garage where mechanics who just you know they're new york city police employees who take care of the cars so sure uh now beekeeping Probably in a big city, they do have like one person who who is that's their job is when bee infestations in buildings and stuff. I would thought that actually fall more on the fire department side, not necessarily it's a fire risk, but those people, you know, people who rescue kitties and stuff like that. <laughs> but 
There he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he's not in uniform. I mean, he has a T-shirt that says NYPD. Right, right. So, so he's, he's not a New York City not... uh, NYPD uh, employee. But I think there is some benefit to that because of the if they're honeybees, not if they were like uh, yellow jackets or something that don't really help us in any way. But if they're honeybees in New York City, you want to take them to Central Park or someplace or a garden. One of the uh, urban house gardens. of your enemy. Yeah. Why, why, why would he remove his beekeeper suit? See, it's down here. He's a brave or stupid motherfucker. That's all I could think. No, I, I would not go anywhere near that. I would be double beekeeper, beekeeper, unless he. Uh, oh, he's vacuuming them. He's vacuum. That's a vacuum. Right. He's vacuuming the bees. Right. But wow. he he must have. Uh, main, uh, ascertained that they were docile, probably honeybees, not likely to... I can't imagine he would take a suit off if he thought they were uh, the kind that would just, like, sting. Like well, if I were a bee and I was being vacuumed, I'd feel like that was a threat to the hive. Not, no, because I've seen them. They, they, We had it here. What they do is they take the queen out and put her in, and then those bees just... they they'll do anything to get back to the queen. They will, you know, vacuum me all you want. I got to get back to the queen. They, bees are whacked out that way. They are whacked out that way. They don't, they don't think right. They think, you know, women are important. Not like us. Oh, men, and come on. Not like us humans. We know that, oh, you took the queen. All right, I'll get another one. They're, they're, yeah. Or, or they have the day <laughs> off. Or There's something. plenty of fish in the sea. Take her. Oh, Poor women. <laughs> Did you see? Oh no, you didn't see. Uh, years ago, there was a uh, news story about this guy whose wife died at the bottom of a staircase, and then now there's a documentary about it called "The Staircase." And oh the my guy gosh! Was, guy was found guilty of they, you know, they say he pushed her down a staircase or he murdered her, and they were just kind of um, using this staging that she fell down the staircase and broke her neck or whatever. And it, it was suspicious. There was blood in the wrong places and all this stuff. And the guy was convicted, I believe. But, uh, and then, and then released, uh, you know, some kind of innocence project got him out of something. But then it turned out that he, he had the same thing 20 years before in a European country where he was living. And he had a wife who just fell down the staircase and died. Yeah. <gasps> uh, so there's this whole documentary about it. I don't know what made me think of that. What? Oh, what they, they replace oh, oh. just replace them. I like <laughs> like men that just oh, I killed one. I'll just get another one. Wow. Yeah. That's that's, a, that's yeah. There's plenty of fish in the ocean. I'll just throw it down the staircase and then go get a new model. Trade her in for the, for the latest model. I dated a man who his they they bought that his parents bought the house really cheap because someone had fallen down the stairs and died and i was in the house and i'm like you know this house is really nice I'm like yeah yeah we got it you know basically stole it because uh it was so cheap and uh yeah she died right there right where you're standing and i was like <gasps> like well, i could i couldn't buy a house if i knew someone had died in the house Oh, we, somebody died in this house before my wife bought it. And of course originally. they did. Of course and, they did. Yeah. And now I have <laughs> I have a belief that this house is where people come to die. Because I've had many people who, come, who have come here to die. Uh, 
my wife, my son. I mean, lots of people who have oh. come here, uh, moved in here for their life. My mom was to hospice. Uh, she was, instead of going to hospice, I said, no, come and live with me and we'll take care of you. Make you, make you as comfortable as possible for your past. But it, many people have died in this house. Your wife, you said? My mom. Oh, oh okay. Did okay. I say my wife? You did. You did. I was like, wow. Oh, maybe that's a Freudian slip. Wow. Well, you, uh, think, you think I you, want to hospice my wife here? No. Oh, I thought no. you were saying your mom was your wife. I don't, I don't no, know. I'm confused. No. I am confused, too. But, it wow. Could have been, been a Freudian slip. I don't really think I said that, though. Well, play, roll back the tape. Roll back. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I It doesn't matter. I'm just a fucked up person anyway. Don't don't listen to anything I say. Nothing matters. Um before you came on, uh, so that so, what, do you think that B story? Wait, back to that. Uh, do you think that B story was an uplifting story, or is it just an unusual story? I was. I just had questions. I just read it and I saw the word bees, and I was like, oh, just let me learn more about these bees. I wonder how much the beekeeper for New York City department. Let's see if we can find that beekeeper. Yeah, I, we could for sure find out. Let's see. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know that they had, I know they had a mounted unit and I thought that's as far as they went on the bicycle unit. So I thought, you know, they were officers just in different modes of transportation. I didn't think they had like a beekeeper, a carpenter, a, Detective know. Robert Travis of ESU four in Bronx is taking on the role of NYPD beekeeper. How did he so get, there's, there's only one. So he's one. a detective. He, so he, he, I guess he's stepping away from his role as a detective to take on the role of, of beekeeper following the retirement of former beekeeper Darren Mays. He must have gotten in trouble then. Maybe it's maybe they become beekeepers if they if they're in trouble. Oh, like you're on desk assignment. We're yeah, be, I that would suck for me. I would have to quit because uh, I'm fucking scared of bees, man. How often do they get a call? Like, how often does he need to go out? And vacuum bees. Um, if in it New was York one, City, if it was once in twenty years, that would be too much for me. New York beekeeper turned cop, uh, beat cop turned bee cap. Uh, NYPD's only beekeeper on staff, meaning he's the man in charge when it comes to safely collecting any swarms of honeybees. This was, uh, but they said, now that's a different guy. Totally different guy. Oh, that was Darren Mays, Save the City. So this is the guy who left that that the guy you saw in that picture replaced. Uh, and this was only last year, last May. This guy Darren Mays was the guy. Doesn't say how much he makes. I'm just yeah, curious. If he's a detective, he's probably making a detective salary. You would think. No, this guy wasn't a detective. The guy, the guy before him, the guy now is a detective. So yes, he's probably making a, a detective salary in New York City. That's quite a nice chunk of change, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think it over a hundred, over a hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Well, that's still not enough for me to be a beekeeper, man. I wouldn't. You couldn't get me to be a, a beekeeper. Hey, if I was making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, I'd put on the suit. I wouldn't do it for two million. I'd put on the suit and I'd walk around. Oh no, let me bees. let me adjust that. I would do it for two million, and I would hire somebody else to do the job for a hundred thousand dollars, and I would keep the rest, and I would laugh the whole way. Go ahead, I go. I had call every time I got a call, I'd call an exterminator and take it out of my own pocket. That's what I would do. 
I would if I if they wanted to pay me two million dollars. But that's what that that's my that's price. That's not bad. Two million dollars. That's not bad. Yeah. I I want the job. Um, the the you know the people that scare away the geese. I've seen their cars. I forgot what they're called. They're professionals. That geese scare warriors. Yeah, they're around here. They drive like Priuses. I I, I got to figure out what they're called. But they so, yeah. Canadian, the Canadian geese that just take over and just shit all over the place. But so that just seems crazy now what you just said, because you're going to chase them. And look, it doesn't look like my guest today is going to show. And you know what? I'm almost okay with that, I guess. But uh, this idea of scaring geese. I got to find it. Scaring geese away. They're just going to come back, right? Um. I think I talked to a lady a long time ago. I was like, "What are you? What are you doing? And how do you get a job like that?" But I, I don't know what they're called now. But you scare them away. You basically what you're doing is saying, "Get off my lawn and go on the next door neighbor's lawn," because they don't. It's not like they're going to run that far. They're going to, and so they're going to go next door neighbor, the the building next door, the property next door, until your your geese scarers leave, and then they're oh, going to come back. I found them. Geesechasers.com. Let me say this. Geesechasers.com. Look, I used to chase seagulls on the beach. I think I would be pretty good at this at this job. I just ran at them and screamed, and they all seagulls could be nasty. They didn't. They didn't hit back at you. No. That's 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 surprising. Are you experiencing problems with Canada geese? Unsightly, bothersome fowl, we've got you covered. Finally, there's a professional geese management service you can call. Geese Chasers, trademarked. Chances are you've seen us on the Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, Fox News, ABC News, CBS, and NBC. That's because Geese Chasers humanely eliminates bothersome Canada geese populations with the quickest and most proven method possible with the use of highly trained border collies. Wait a minute. Border collies, right. I'm looking at it now. So, but and the oh, go- so they're just gonna fly away. Yeah, they fly away, and they won't fly that far. And as soon as you take the dogs home, they're gonna come back. Uncle, initial clearing four to twelve weeks. It takes four to twelve weeks to clear them. Wow. Then you have to maintenance uh, is an ongoing thing. So you're gonna have to have the dogs there like constantly. That's so. This guy that just was my le- point. He lets his dogs out. Right, so let's say it's on a golf course and there's a a Canadian geese infestation, right? Whatever you would call it, he's gonna go to the golf course, let his dogs out. They're all gonna fly away, and then he's gonna come back for like a week until the geese remember that there's there's vicious predators there. I mean, what a job! I know you. I couldn't help it. You said, "Who let the dogs out?" I had to start dancing. Um, Who let the dogs out? Uh, yeah, but so that—that's my point, though. Yes, you got it exactly. But, but border collies are really, really smart. So it's not like you just—they uh, will just—you're not just letting any dogs out. Border collies are are super intelligent. They're like smarter than you, yeah. not smarter than me, but smarter than you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I still can't roll over. So <laughs> they got that on me. I want to show you another picture. Can I show you another picture? This is a good picture to show. Okay. <laughs> I went, I went uh, after my pro- my program last night. You know, Carl and Jan- Carl had his show, a show starting at 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon. 
But Jamie and and Brett Brock, I don't think you know Brett Brock. You probably will because I'm going to have him on soon. Uh, Brett Brock is an artist and comedian, extraordinary artist and very funny. He's not really performing comedy anymore. Anyway, when Carl has Jamie and Brett on, the shows tend to go a little long. So I knew it was going to go hours. But after my 8 p.m. show ends at 9 p.m., Mm-hmm. Remember, they started at 1 p.m. Right. I said, I'll, go, I'll just go see, you know, see if they're uh, still doing the show. And I, I did, and they were still doing the show. And here's what I found when I got there. Um, this is Jamie, sound asleep with his neck all the way back, snoring. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's got a habit of doing that. <laughs> he did it on the potathon. When we did the potathon, he fell asleep. And I was playing a little bit of that this morning and was snoring loud. And we were all listening to him and, and having fun with him. But I w- so they invited me on and I went on for about an hour, hour and 20 minutes. And he was asleep pretty much the whole time. He woke up for like a few seconds here or there. Oh, what the hook's going on? And then fell back asleep again. It's like, uh- dude, why? what is so hard about just saying, uh, I'm really tired, man. I got to tap out. I'm going to bed. <clears throat> that, that was me yesterday. My eyes were open. I felt like I was in history class again, just trying to stay awake, to pass. Just got to stay awake. <clears throat> but um, Did yeah. you ever see the clip of, uh, <clears throat> of, from the Potathon with Jamie sleeping? Uh, I think you showed it to me, but we could see it again. All right. Uh, let me see. Can I remove this? Yeah. Uh, I can't remove it. Add to stream. No, I can't remove it. Why? That's weird. Oh, maybe if I do this, it'll just go away. Yes, that just made it go away. I don't know. This stuff is always confusing to me. Uh, share screen. Here you go. Uh, Chrome tab. YouTube. Here we are. This, this, this is all for cancer, everybody. <laughs> Sleep apnea. Next year we'll be we'll be doing this with sleep apnea. <laughs> oh, that was a nice one. Anyway, that's that was that. And that went on for twenty five minutes. Wow. Uh, and he, yeah, he was just out and snoring loud like that. Wow. <laughs> and then last night it went on for an hour and a half. <laughs> Wow. But again, what is so hard about just saying, dudes, uh, I, I love you guys, but I'm really tired. I need to go to bed. My wife is waiting for me or whatever. Eight yeah. hours, nine hour podcast. That's... Right. What Drinking. The... And, well, Kat was on making <clears throat> cocktails with them. I think I told you about that, teaching them to make cocktails. And they got, you know, they get hammered. They get really hammered. But Carl ends up crying and telling Brett that how much he loves them. And then uh, Brett is insidious and and mischievous and he loves to uh, emote uh, or um, or make call emote like his deepest uh darkest secrets and give up stuff <laughs> uh brett was instrumental in getting Carl to break down crying and admit that his name was not even carl that his name was matthew that his older brother made everybody call him Carl his whole life <laughs> And, oh, that's where that came from. Yeah, and so Brett, uh, he he's funny about that because he does, he makes it seem like he's asking questions, like he's interested in stuff. But he he's definitely devilish in like I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get Carla cry, and Carla oh. does. He breaks down with the I love you. you know? he, he starts out by laughing and being silly, but he's drunk, 
and as drunk people often do, <laughs> uh, laughter can, you know, once you're in an emotional state, laughter can quickly turn to crying or some deep, serious thought and all that stuff. But and he falls for story? it every time. Is it, <laughs> is it, I would too. Is that a true story that his name is really Matthew? Yes. So that's like the 200th Matthew that I know now. I, I and know I, so I, growing up, I never knew one other person named Matt. There ever. are so many people now in my life that that have that name. I know. No, it's, yeah. it's weird because when I was a kid, I was the only Matthew. And I hated Matthew. I, I liked Matt, but Matthew was just, Matthew was something my mother called me when she was angry at me. Mm. But um, last night, the revelation, and I, I got it because he was drunk and I didn't question him on this at the time. But Carl, he was talking to Carl about his longest relationship and heartbreaks and, and all that kind of stuff. And Carl was talking about uh, how his nine-year relationship with this girl. And I had to ask, well, you know, did you break her heart? Did she? Because you don't get out of a nine-year relationship without one of the parties having a broken heart at the end. And he mm. was maintaining that. No, that wasn't the case. They were still good friends, and she helped him get through school. She helped him get a PhD, and I was, and he kept talking. And I was like, "Wait, did he just say he has a PhD?" He has Doctor, a PhD, Doctor Carl. I, I don't know. He said this in a drunken state. Now he might have been bullshit. I don't know. I have to question him on this. But it just yeah. flew by, and I was like, "Now's not the time to kind of push him on this." But uh, to me, that was like, "How could you have a PhD in all this time, and I don't know about it? How could you be Doctor?" Matt. And what is he a Dr. doctor? Dr. Matthew. In? Yeah. Is he a proctologist? Is he No. Mm. Proctologist would have to be an MD, not a PhD. You can't be a... <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. You know. Wait. Wait a minute. You're right. Yeah, PhD is You're right. Is, yeah. He couldn't be a proctologist. He could be uh, a psychologist. What you could be a psychologist. Be? You could be uh, I well, I know he did work in the mental health industry for a while. But can't you have a PhD in like philosophy and stuff too? Yes. Yeah. Philosophy, absolutely. What else yeah. could you have a PhD in? I uh, uh lots of stuff. Economics or uh Seriously? You know, yeah. Economics, wow. you, political science, you could have a PhD in lots of and just about any discipline that isn't like history. You could have a PhD in history or math. So it's just like extra schooling. It's a doctorate, yes. It's it's beyond your mastering uh, master's degree to go for another degree beyond that, which is doctorate. And you always have to write a dissertation to be, have a PhD. Yes. Okay, so that so if he does okay, so if he has a PhD, then that's very yeah. impressive. It's super impressive, but to keep it secret for couple of years while you're friends with people and maybe it's just, an embarrassing phd like what would be an embarrassing i don't know let me let me say <laughs> uh, my phd is in um i don't know what would be an, an embarrassing phd i think it would be proud i'm proud of it no matter what it was in uh unless it was like feminine hygiene studies for me that would be a little, little weird like Feminine hygiene studies? I don't know. I don't know. What are all I'm just the trying to think something that would make me feel uh, a little awkward or shy about talking about. I don't know. Here are some of the careers that require a PhD. Okay. Let's see. Careers that require it, but that doesn't mean those are the only PhDs you can get. Computer engineer, systems engineer, mathematician, biologist, healthcare administrator. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, they don't always re- like. I know a health administrator, healthcare administrator that you know who only has a master's and got it from St. Joseph's, right? With my help, really? Uh, we, yeah, we won't we won't necessarily get into that on the air. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I shouldn't have even said that, but I, I can't help but. Is a PhD higher than an MD? No. No, of course not, but. Um, yeah, uh, so PhD, um, you could get it in just about anything that you go to school for if you continue schooling long enough and become a doctor. Any, I did any... not know that. I'm just going to say it right now. I did not know that. Education is one is a co- very common one, like teaching. Lots, lots of oh, uh, like a professor. You have to have a yeah. PhD to be a professor. No, you could be a professor with a master's as long if you get tenure enough tenure. Uh, no, you you can be a professor with a master's. Hmm. I've had. Lots, I I, lots of I, I hate school, so I I don't know. I have yeah. too much PTSD to get a PhD. <laughs> I I, 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 I took debt. too I took too much LSD to get a PhD. Yeah. Uh, and when I worked for the CIA, uh, I was taking lots of <laughs> lots of LSD, and then the FBI came, and uh, I was on THC, uh, and. Uh, I'm just just thinking of things with letters. Is that really? Now, I work. I, I was on NBC and CBS or ABC. Uh, How about I have too too I have too much ADD to sit AD, down for a PhD. A, 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 but they added a letter in the ADD. Now it's ADHD, right? Oh yeah. You can't, yeah. They they were too ADD-ish to let I ADD stand alone. They had to add another letter to it. I mean, if you have ADD, you're hyper. So it has to, you know. I was diagnosed with ADHD, but I, honestly, I just think for the most part, it's just an excuse because what little kid can sit for eight hours without tapping, without getting up, without losing focus? I mean, it's just a label. Um, it's just a label I, that I, you don't want to sit there and conform while everyone else is sitting there. I agree with you. I agree with you to a large extent. Let's say I agree with you to ninety nine percent on that point. Mm. But I have seen some kids that just they really uh, off the wall. They they will scratch themselves, like scratch cuts in their face. You know. So they need to be redirected with their emotions. First of all, what's their diet? Right. Right. Are they eating sugar and processed foods? That part of it, absolutely. Right. What's their? You know. What's the? How are they being disciplined at home? I think and drugs should be the very last resort. The last resort. Yeah, the yeah, last absolutely. resort. Because, you know, it's it's a slippery slope. I mean, you're you're addicted to that as a kid. And then, you know, you grow yeah. up and you're always you're going to always be on a pill. I don't want to act like I know anything about the, the real cause of it. But I just think, um, or, or, or whether it's real or not, I my opinion on this because i want to be careful not to try to think act like i know shit about this but my, my opinion on this is they go we go to drugs way too soon way oh, too yeah. soon in every, every freaking case of it definitely there's a pill for everything it's an easy fix but then those pills cause side effects that you need another pill for so you're always going to be on pills yeah. so if you can tackle your pro- oh, we lost you we lost your volume you can't hear. She's gone. She's stuck. Bloop, bloop, bloop. It's just me now, folks. Uh, back to just me. Here I, here I am, all alone. 
alone again, naturally. Um, it doesn't look like my guest Peter Parker is gonna is gonna make it today, and that's fine. You know, um, he said he's looking forward to it. This is what he said um, two days ago. Looking forward to it. Well, now you will be looking backward to it, and it didn't happen. Anyway, uh, you might want to check him out. I thought he was pretty funny based on what I saw on his Facebook page. I also thought he was a New York-based comedian. Turns out I don't know where he's from because he's been all over. He's been in the game. It looks like at least 10 years. Uh, not one of the uh, newer comics, but surprising to me, uh, she's back. Now, I guess she got some kind of alarm or text message or something. To tell my my father was calling me. <laughs> How dare he? Doesn't he know How what he's he? doing in the morning? He, he was probably playing pickleball and... Pickleball. Do you play pickleball? Oh, we lost you again. Damn it. Oh, no. We are you now. Can you see me? Yes. Oh, that's weird. He's calling again. I just texted him and said I'm on the show. That dope. Wow. Frank, call in the show. Tell him to call me. I don't know his number by heart, but I would tell you to call him. Um, oh. No, a pickleball. You play pickleball? No, he plays pickleball. I know. Do you, do you have you played it? No. I don't even. I don't even know. No. Mikey I, I, plays it. It's like. Yeah. Hold on, let me see if I, I can chat like... you his number. I don't know if he'll answer. Wait, I'm gonna. Ch can you see me while I'm typing? Yes. Really? Yeah, we can see you. Uh, kindly leave the feedback once you get at the end. No, that's not you. I sent it to. You. Um, what was I saying? Oh. I'm very, I'm not athletic. Uh, I tried tennis. I enjoy tennis. Uh, my mother used to yell at me because I would hit the ball as hard as I could. And, oh, he just sent me a voicemail. Dad. Oh, you sent it in the private chat. That's where you sent it. Oh, See, good. I'm look, learning. Look, look at me. Oh, give him yeah. A call. I'm going to give him a call. I, I hope that's his number. I was trying to remember. <laughs> that's his number. <laughs> I don't want to give the wrong person a phone call here. If it's, uh, it's not, then it's okay. But I think that's his number without looking. How do I do this on this way just to dial a number that's not in my book? Mm, new FaceTime. That's what I want to do. FaceTime? Yeah. Gosh. New FaceTime. Boom, boom, boom. Um, what was I saying? No, I've never, I've never seen pickleball being played. I've never played pickleball. But yeah, he's he's retired, so he gets up at five a.m. Still goes to the gym, has his coffee, plays pickleball with his friends, and he probably just got out and wants to see if I'm coming over. But it's just ringing. He's not answering. Hung up on me. He didn't call. Call again. Yeah, no. Call him again. I am. Okay. Oh, maybe it's because it's FaceTime. He won't. Maybe if I just put him on regular call. Yeah, regular. He's not going to want to FaceTime. All right. Uh, wait, but uh, come on, get out of my face! Damn, I hate technology. Damn it! Cancel. Yeah, I played soccer. I played soccer pretty much my whole life and sucked at it. Um, let's see what else I've played. Hmm. I liked badminton. Badminton's fun. Volleyball's fun. I just can't. I get competitive, but I can't play. Mikey, Mikey's a pickleballer. I, I don't know if you know that. But he's a newfound pickleballer. He right. just recently started playing pickleball. And isn't pickleball for old people anyway? 
think so. Yeah. Wait, so. that's making me. Oh, I just want to do this. Can I just do this? No. I can't just do Frank a regular phone call from here. Come on, Facetime. Oh. Let me see if I could tell him that you're calling. Oh no, it's I got. It. Is it working? My call has been forward. Ah, uh, see. Four nine seven. At the mm. tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, <laughs> you may hang up or press one for more options. Good morning. This is Matt from Mind Dog TV on www123. <laughs> you have the big winner for today. You've won a free pickleball racket. Please call us back immediately. I don't know if that worked. Does that work? Yeah, maybe. Uh, we'll see if he calls back. He's got the number now. Of course he's going to call back. He heard the word free. Free. Free pickleball racket. How do I make a net? I don't know what I'm doing. See. Technology I'm sucks. We should just get rid of technology altogether. I'm trying to text him, but I. If can't, you text I don't him, know. you're gonna you're gonna go offline again. This no, I'm trying to text him on Matt's phone, but I have no idea how to do it. Oh, I do. Do I put the one in if I'm texting someone? I can't. Yeah, so uh, I think so. Yes, I know. Why should you have to use a one? You shouldn't even have to use the area code if you're in that. Oh. That's, he's on the chat room right now. There he is. Hi. Well, I just called you from my phone. You didn't pick up. Uh, and that's put on, put on display your number, Dad. Call this number. Or you call know, in. I can I can send you a link to your Facebook page, right? Uh, if you want to, if you want a link, you want to join in. You you got a camera with you? Can you want to join in? Yeah, Dad, join in. Let's see. Let me see if I can send this to him. Now, I got he has to, go to talk about his, um, he has an issue he wants to discuss on the show. Oh, really? I told him uh, a while ago to, to what so did got, you, oh, what did I got, say? I'm playing. I got to go. He, he just said, I see you. Oh, I'm playing pickle pickleball. I knew like, it. I knew it. So why are you calling if you're playing pickleball? I knew it. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why would you call in the middle of a big picketball? Um, I believe I it's pickleball. I don't see him there. Your chat overview replies. No, he's not in that Facebook group. He's in. There are several Facebook groups. I don't know where he is. I'm going to send him a link anyway in case he stops playing pickleball and wants to call in. If I can find him. Can I even find him? I don't know. Comments. Two comments. Yeah, this is him. There he is. Now, Frank Ragu. <laughs> no, uh, I can't. I can't send it to him. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, wow. I'll just put it in here. Here's a link. Nope, I can't do that either. Man, I suck at technology. Oh, here. So it is. I'll, I'll provide some background music. Going to Steely Dan tonight. That's what he's doing. <gasps> what? He's going to Steely Dan. Well, we're going with you. Come on, send me a ticket. I'm on my way. Seriously. Well, yeah, Steely Dan, you know. Where? Um, Maybe it's a... At the beach, I guess. At, at Jones Beach? Probably. But Walter Becker is dead. Hmm. And so all you got is Donald Fagan and a bunch of studio musicians. And and that's what Steely Dan always was anyway. But who who knows what the band... 
who knows even who's in Steely, Steely Dan? What kind of band is it? It's, I'm sure it'll be a good show. It'll, will they play all the hits or will Fagan want to play his new stuff, which is just jazz? Mm. Are you a jazz fan? Can you listen? To, you, I think jazz would do to you what Travis Lipsky does to you. I like jazz. Long form jazz, like, you know. Yeah. Improvisational where you can't even tell what where the melody is or any of that stuff. It's just Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah I like jazz. I even get bored with that stuff. And look I, at me. I play the jazz flute. You know what that's from? Yeah. Do you? Do you know what that's from? Yeah. The jazz flute? Yeah, jazz flute. What movie is that from? I have no idea. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. You're gonna clue me in? Oh, it's from Harry Potter. I knew that. Harry nope. Potter. Nope. Nope. Lord of the Rings. Nope. Um They don't play the Yaz flute in the Lord of the Rings. Why? They didn't have flutes. Well, oh, maybe they did. I can't. They're called what? pipers. Is a pi- does a piper play a flute? No, oh, he plays yeah. a pipe. Yeah, yeah, Pied Piper plays a uh, a pipe flute. A pipe flute. 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 I took pipe. flute. I took flute in sixth grade. So it's very uh, hard. You have to like. I'm just thinking what what Pocahontas. Nope. Pocahontas played flutes, right? There were flutes in that, and all the colors of the wind. You know that song. Uh, yeah, I had to learn that. Vanessa in, um, Williams voice lessons. Vanessa Williams. She, she's the one who sang it, right? Am I wrong? Come on, let me look this up now. No. Vanessa Williams is is young. She would be too young to sing Pocahontas. No, she's my age. Was... Vanessa Williams? Oh, I'm thinking Ma- of Vanessa Vanessa Hutchins, whatever the hell her name is. Uh, uh. Pocahontas. Uh, who sings it? Pocahontas, Colors of the Wind. Uh, Vanessa Williams, 1994. Yes. Uh, I was thinking of the wrong lady. Oh, no, okay. She, she was uh, the first black Miss America. And then had to give up her crown when um, they came out with penthouse pictures of her, you know, uh, lesbian sex and all that kind of stuff. And it was, of course, in the 80s, that still was like, you can't be Miss America and be having lesbian sex. Now I think probably a mandatory that you do just to and sign And then they up. had her sing in a Disney movie. Yeah, for 15 years later. She yeah. rejuvenated her. Something about... Perverts and Disney just always, <laughs> just always. You, th- you think Vanessa Williams is a pervert? Now, <sighs> I- I'm just saying it's like, um, come sing for us. Come on. Yeah, but the thing is, now, I, and I'm not, I have no dog in this fight at all. But that was 15 years before the Disney thing, right? Or 14 years before that. And the pictures were taken even before she was even longer than that. In the past. As a kid, but as a very young person. Now, lots of 18 year olds make mistakes and things they regret. Right. And so, and she did say that she regretted ever taking those pictures. She wanted to be famous and she made some mistakes and all that. So Uh, you have to have some forgiveness for 18 year olds. Of course. If I tell you some of the shit I did it, and I probably have told you some of the shit I did at 18, be like, dude, you are one messed up individual. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, come, but come on, Disney. Come on. Come on. Sing. No, I mean, no, one. she had a beautiful voice. And, um, and uh, yeah, I didn't know that was her Well, name. I thought you're gonna, it was really gonna, Pocahontas singing. So If yeah. you're going to go on Disney, though, um, 
Disney was pretty messed up right from the start. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, you could go. You could go on Disney not knowing anything and come out the other way. It could be opposite. Then you could come out being promiscuous. So, either way, Disney's like. Is that true? Yeah, all the Disney stars are usually they usually come out pretty warped and. Annette Funicello, I think, was was pretty wholesome the whole whole life. Oh. Annette Funicello, Frankie and Annette. You know, of course, this is before your time. She was part of the original Mickey Mouse Club in the fifties. Ah. <laughs> Did not know there was a Mickey Mouse so club by, in the fifties. Right, right. So no, that's what the eight, the seventies or eighties, uh, the eighties Mickey Mouse Club was trying trying to recreate that because it went away. They had it in the fifties, right up to the sixties, but then it became like uh, nobody's interested in that wholesome crap, and then mm-hmm. it went away. But Annette Funicello was part of it in the fifties, and she became part of the beach movies with Frankie Avalon when I was a kid, and she was like a lot of young boys crushed, you know, when they mm. were you know kids because these were dumbed down movies for for children. Beach blanket, bingo, blink, beach blanket, bonzo, whatever, and lots of movies with that same kind of beach stuff in it. Uh, surfs up and stuff like that. And it was Frankie and Annette. Frankie and Annette were the main couple in all these movies. They you know, High school lovers or whatever. And I'm sorry. I, you lost. Okay. And Mickey Mouse Club. That was the Just original one. Sound, I, I don't know. I would but not she, watch this. She, I think into, right up until her death remained kind of that wholesome image that that Disney wanted to portray. But if you go back right back to Uncle Walt, Uncle Walt was a was a kind of a, a weird man. A weird you mean man. Walt Disney? A lot of yeah. Uncle mm-hmm. Walt. Yeah. When I when I grew up he was Uncle Walt. <laughs> Sunday night they had the the uh, magical world of Disney and Uncle Walt would introduce the show every night. Mm. Just the what fact you... that he was called Uncle Walt was like oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gemma. Well, my daughter, she uh, she um, watches facts on YouTube and tells me about all the disturbing Disney facts and how there's like a club, like for. So I had a former Disney club who was uh, clubber on who was uh, now I can't remember her name. Crap, I should look it up. Um, she was part of the crew of Christina Aguilera um, right. and, and Britney Spears. But she, I'm going to look it up really. Uh, uh, I feel bad that I don't remember her name. I feel really embarrassed by this now. But she, uh, you would like her. She's a, a um, she sings in the, uh, she sings Christian music mostly now. She's um, extreme. She's a mother and she's one of the people who uh Preaches, you know, wholesome, whatever, good, you know, straight life. No, uh, not <laughs> whatever. Uh, not, yeah, not in line. Not in line with the uh, Disney sexualizing of young girls and all that stuff. Good. Um, I wonder if this will even come up if I if put this it in dog Disney. poops by my yard, and they don't pick it up. How much do you want to bet? I bet you five dollars. Five hours? I was going to poop outside my patio and not. Five hours or five hours? Five hours. Five hours. Here he goes. He's pooping right now in the bush. And and is anybody walking him? Yep. Let's see. Okay. He's done pooping. And 
Oh, this is too far, and I don't even know how far back this is. It's got to oh, be. Oh, she got it. She actually went in the woods and picked it up. Years back. Wow. Miranda, is Miranda her name? I don't know. Um, Good for them. Uh, there's a okay, so it's not this dog, but there is definitely like a mystery dog felon who keeps leaving turds by my patio. It's not hmm. them. Well, this hasn't been a great show, I have to tell you. Even no, this is kind of lame. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Is it my fault or is it your fault or is it the fault of the, the guests that show low. up today? Yeah. Um, you know, but it's okay. It's okay to have. I'm just trying. I, re I really want to find this because uh, I now I'm embarrassed that I don't remember her name, but and tell you a little bit about her story if mm -hmm. I can find it. It was so long ago. And I guess I didn't have Disney anywhere in the uh, title or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, everything, meet the author, meet the author, meet the author. I had a lot of authors on, that's for sure. Uh, medieval Swordsmanship. That was a good show. Medieval. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, no, that, that was a good show. That guy knew everything about the Medieval Swords. Anxiety. Was he in Forged in Fire ever? Whatever that show is called. He does a lot of Broadway shows. Um, oh, I thought he made swords, or he was like, uh, well, he does blacksmith. And he, and he also, yeah, he does make his own swords, and he does those medieval shows. You know, those, the people are yeah. obsessed with that kind of stuff. Hey, he, th that place in New Jersey is awesome. Medieval times, right? That's what he does. I love those, that. Those shows, yeah. yeah. And and then the little that? waitresses come over and. Oh, my lady, would you like more soup, my lord? It's pretty cool. Did I? I haven't I told like you that. the story about the crazy lady who uh, I met on on MySpace who wanted to date me. She was one of those people. Uh, oh, she wow. was one of those who like went to the festivals and dressed like uh, a maiden. Yeah, and she uh, wanted me to treat her like a like that. She like wanted a fair maiden. Yes. That's and pretty cool. She was very demanding was a, about these things. A dating community like that. <laughs> yeah. I, my first even um, exposure to th that that world actually existed. I didn't even know that that was actually a thing until I met her. And then she was like making, I hadn't even met her. We were just talking on, on MySpace and she was asking uh, if I wanted to go out and I, you know, wanted to meet her and all this stuff. And then we were starting to plan on a date. And even before the date, she started giving me instructions about what I was supposed to do when I came to pick her up and what I was supposed to bring and how I was supposed to be dressed and all this stuff. And so like, you're supposed to be in like mesh, like chain, you know, like chain mail, whatever it's called. And, and, and the sword. No, no. The night it, was, hat. It, it was more like how a gentleman treats a lady and how what how I expect you to treat me and all this stuff on our first meeting. And it's like, man, I, I'm not a rules guy. I, I don't generally do well with rules. So this is not working out right from the start. And then she got angry for me saying that and like wanted to be enemies. It's like, I, you know, no hard feelings. I just think this was a mistake. We don't, we're not a good match. I don't you want somebody who's going to adhere to rules. And I, to be honest with you, I've never been a gentleman. I don't know how to be a gentleman. In the, do you in, hold in, the in, doors open for your lady? I do that. I do that. That's, do you, she wanted way more than do that. Do you pay uh, uh, on the dates with your lady? Of course I do. Do you tell her that she's beautiful and lovely? Uh, I don't know. Where, where's this accent coming from? I don't uh, know. You, 
<laughs> yes, I, I'm I, that kind of stuff. So I'm then good you are with. somewhat of no, no. She wanted you know uh, exact protocols and stuff that I had to adhere to. I forget what the rules were, but maybe she, was, you needed a PhD in um, PhD in dating, dating, lovery. I'm still looking chivalry. For, I'm still looking for this. This is going way back now. Oh wow! Uh, I did not know you could get a PhD in anything. My mind is blown. I think, I guess, like with, but then, like, how much money are you throwing into school to get your PhD? And then, are you even making that back with your career? With no, your PhD? nobody. Well, like, uh, Dean has a, a master's in philosophy. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm in debt, and I went to school for acting. Okay, at you know Suffolk. So it's and acting it's, is something that there's really jobs in. I but mean, honestly, it's a scam because, I mean, when you come out of high school, you should, if you want to be an actress or an actor, go straight to the city, start auditioning, start looking for, for places to audition, go to open mics. I mean, just get in it. Don't, you don't have to go to school for it. Everything they taught me was stuff we already knew. It's just they want you money. And I, well, I wonder if they I, I'm going to agree with you again, but only 90% agree, uh, agree with you. Because here's the thing. Uh, I talk to, as you know, a lot of filmmakers, and they say the, the, the real big benefit is not what they teach you in those schools. It's, it's who you go to school with. And a lot of those people make alliances. So if I'm going to make a film, I went to right. school with a bunch of people who I know right. are on the same page with me. I know actors from that school. I know right. cinematographers from that school. So it's more about networking. Right. And yeah, that's an awful lot to pay for just making connections and networking. You could be able just to join a network and meet. I got to say goodbye to, to Govs already. Goodbye, that's, governors. Yeah. Gov, sorry. Sorry we suck today. We'll suck a little bit less tomorrow. Mm. Uh True that. Oh uh, yeah, William, William Conway will be here tomorrow. So and share some clips of some of his work, and maybe we'll talk about music and that kind of stuff. Um, yes. But yeah, you, you could just join a networking group and save the eighty thousand dollars that you were going to pay for an education there. Oh, well, I and, didn't spend eighty thousand dollars. It was a two-year. It was my associates. But there are people that I know that ha have their masters in whatever musical theater, acting, whatever you know, that, that particular field. And it's, I think it's a waste of time. And I think that people who go to school, um, for that profession just usually become music teachers or theater teachers or professors. You know, I have, I haven't seen anyone that I went to school with. I don't think they've ever pursued acting. I think they're all like me, just. Nobody's like you. They're all just hanging around. That's Stephanie Gray. Working, working at jobs that, you know, have nothing to do with their degree and wishing that they audition more or, I don't know. I don't know wow. where you're going with this either. I don't know where you're, go, uh, where you're going with it either. Uh, I can't believe how many shows I've done <laughs> because I'm going back through all my shows looking, and I'm back years now looking at uh, all, all the guests I've had. I've had some crazy kind of kind of guess on, but I can't find this uh, Disney person. This is how. Oh, here she is, living with excellence and purpose. Uh, her name is Jennifer McGill. There she is. I can show you now. Let me see. 
Um, ba -ba -ba -ba, a little bit of her. Beep, 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 beep. Share. Wait, 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 wait. Get out of my face, you. All right. See if you recognize it. You would know 80s. Uh... I don't see anything. Operational app called Unbreakable. Come on, come on. So, I mean, I have part of my hair. <laughs> Do you I know her? I have a tattoo in more than one place. You know, th that's stuff that I actually no. push the envelope Am I supposed to know her? She was uh, a member of the Disney Channel's um, uh, new Mickey Mouse Club at the age of 10. I didn't, I didn't watch the Disney Channel. Tracks for a while because I didn't feel like I could live up you never to the expectations it? of church. No, there never are people watched the Disney Channel. slipping through the cracks that She's need to associate with. Hey, you're not alone. We're all imperfect. We're on a journey. Here's what's most important. Love God, love yourself, love others. If we're if we're looking for the love in the world and we're trying to bring more of that to each other, to me, there's nothing above that that you need to focus on until that is taken care of. What you believe, what you label yourself, what other people label, label you, it cannot matter more than that love factor. You get that? She's right. She's right. She's right. So she, she um, turned her back on. But she was part of that um, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears era, Justin Timberlake era of the Mickey Mouse Club. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the Disney Channel, the the Mickey Mouse Club. I I like Disney movie, like the cartoons. But I was I like Star Wars and uh, Godzilla. I you know. New, the newer Godzilla or the old Godzilla? My and Godzilla. The nineteen ninety two Godzilla, not the oh. not the you know. That ain't even. That ain't even real. You ain't Wait, real. What's his name? Matthew Broderick was, was the guy. What was the lady's well, name? I mean, you sure it was Matthew Broderick and not like Matt Matthew, Damon or something. It was Matthew Broderick and. In uh, Godzilla. Something man, Leslie Mann, I think. Is that a lady? Know. Is that her name? I think so. I, I think don't that's. Know. I think it's. I think it's that. We'll go with that. Well, I thought Carl Mann. Carl Mann. Carl Mann. Maybe they're brother and sister. Oh, Matthew right. Mann. Oh, wow. So, so Matthew. are we able to call him Matt, or he just? No, he doesn't respond to painful. that now. I, I don't, I don't think he meant for that to slip out, and I think he's sorry it did. Mm. Which is you're, why you're not going to let him live that down, ever. I, I, I've been, uh, I brought it up a couple of times, and he kind of ignored me, uh, and other people have kind of slipped it in, and and he doesn't seem to want to even acknowledge it. <laughs> So maybe drinking on the podcast is not, you know, ideal. You, yes. You, that's why you, I, listen, I kind of, uh, I blurt out things that I regret blurting out on this podcast almost me, every me single day. Well. I was like, I wish I wouldn't have said that. But if I were drunk, I can promise you that it would be far more. Yes. <laughs> Prevalent. Yes, <laughs> I, had, I actually had a talking to by one of our one of our good friends that I had to clean up my act on the show. Yeah, so I'm trying my hardest to. Um, Especially now that I know that so many people I never even suspected uh, listening are listening. People have come up to me and said, "Oh, great show! I listen every day." <laughs> oh, really? Uh, I guess <laughs> I guess you heard about a part where I called you an asshole. <laughs> 
Wow. And, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's in the back of my mind. I'm like, what did I say about this person that I shouldn't mm. have said that they might have heard? Mm. A lot of that. All good uh, things. All good things. Yeah. I try. I try to be uh, not ne- bashing too many people in the real world. And like when I, I don't mind bashing celebrities or politicians. That I, even if I met them, I would bash them to their face. Mm. Um, but you, those people, I think, deserve it. If you're if you're famous and you crave fame, you got to be. You got to live with any criticism that come your way. If you if you live to be famous, now I'm not saying that people yeah. who are get famous by what they do. Like the, the woman last night, she's friends with Elon Musk. She's actually friends with him, knows him, mm. and he he because she was in NASA and they were using what what she was trying to do. Her aim was to take all our tax money and save us from having to pay taxes to support NASA and get billionaires like Why? Musk and, and Bezos to. Why? I don't understand. We're taxed on everything. We should just stop getting taxed. And she's right. She's right. Let the billionaires pay for what they want to pay for and leave us alone. Right. I don't but want to she, she, she ran into a lot of uh, backlash from because – and Eisenhower warned about this. The industrial, military industrial complex and the scientific industrial complex within the United States government, they love live off those tax dollars. So if they're, yes. making, they're making billions of dollars off of that, yes. they are going to be defensive of that. And since they have had 60 years to gain power and use power in every way they can, they're going to mm. obstruct that stuff. And part of the argument about having Tesla or Bezos or any of those people, Musk or Bezos or any of those billionaires involved is, they're not just doing it for charity. They're doing it to make money. But her point was, why do I care if they, how much money they make, as long as they are saving taxpayers money, we're not paying for it. And uh, we're getting the benefit of having a space program without us having to pay for it. What do we care how much they make off of it? And I think she's right about that. Yeah. Make it all private. I mean, we yeah. are taxed on, I, I saw like a list of everything we're taxed, like that our money goes to. It's like the, a mile long list. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, leave my, leave our money alone. We're just the little peons anyway. Right. Like, go, go get away from us. Come on. Enough. Well, I am, I am, Shoot. Uh, I'm against income tax. Mm-hmm. I think income tax is not part of. It wasn't part of the country until 1913. We never had any income tax. You know, tax and is supposed to be like voluntary. It's no, it's no inc- to be income. Income tax was supposed to be voluntary, not the right. other taxes. Not like not like. Uh, I think uh, old taxes. Tax. No, no, no. <laughs> they were supposed to. I think it was supposed no, to be. No, you, you're talking you about had... income. Income tax was the only voluntary tax, but then they made it mandatory. No, it's, you not can't, you... all, it's not in all 50 states, though. I mean, there are some states that don't really have income tax. They're, no, they still have federal income tax. Federal income tax is different from state income tax. And in, in like in yeah. New York, we pay. And if you live in New York City, you pay three income taxes. You pay to the federal government, you pay to the state, and you pay to the city. Uh, some states have no state income tax. Like I said, we're not making billions. The middle class is always the one that gets shit on. What middle class? There's no middle There's, class anymore. I, I, what's left of the middle class? We right. always get shit on. 
we're not making anything, and yet they take, take, take. Right, right. You know, so. Uh, yes, well, it boggles me, uh, my mind, and we, I, I think about this a lot. It's like how much money there is mm. uh, to be taxed out there that governments can spend trillions of dollars because we talk about what the military budget is every, you know, 10 right. trillion Ten trillion dollars is a lot of fucking zeros, man. Yeah. <laughs> Can you even comprehend? No. Like three hundred and fifty billion dollars that we spend on space exploration. It's just a. It's just a word to me. Three hundred fifty billion dollars. It's just a word to me. I, I can't comprehend because right. I've never made a billion dollars to know what it is. I don't. I think a, in my yeah. lifetime, I think I'll make a million dollars. I think everyone will make a no, million dollars. No, you'll make more than that. No, not yes, me. You yes, you will. Seriously? Of course, of course you will. Yeah, you I will. don't know. If, I know as, I long, don't, as long as you don't die young. I don't yeah. have a PhD. It's not like I can make a million. I'm, you know. Listen, when I by the time I was your age, I, I, I probably felt that way too. I didn't make a whole lot of money in, in my 20s. But in my 30s, things changed a great deal. I, and I was making a lot and paying a lot in taxes and Social Security. And thank God I did. <laughs> but things can change. And they're, you know, and, let, you know, your buddy Mikey, yeah, he was a kitchen guy when we first started the band. He, he didn't have any degrees. He had an associate's degree. And he wasn't an administrator and wasn't making a lot of money. And now I don't want to say how much he makes, but he, he does very well. He's in the well into the six figures, nice right. money. Right. So you, the point is I'm making is that when you're young, you know, you can, can't imagine how much you can accumulate in 20 years of once you become a mature, uh, a, a matured adult. I'm not saying you're not mature. I'm saying matured adult, meaning in your 30s and 40s and yeah, if you uh, find, in your prime earning years. Yeah, if you find a niche and you're good in that niche and you can make money, you know. But even me, I didn't find a niche. I was all over the map, but I made a lot of money in my 30s and 40s. And again, thank God I did. And even in my 50s, I made a lot of money. Uh, and, and Please, tell me, tell me more. Tell me more about how much money. <laughs> how much money I made? No, don't. Don't rub it in. No, no, but I can tell you that I never, I never expected to, and I didn't view myself as having the qualifications or ever being able to make that. When I was 30, if you would have asked me, in the next 10 years, you're going to make a million dollars, I would have laughed in your face. I would have said, you're out of your fucking mind. There's no way I'm going to make a million dollars in the next 10 so years. So you're good at what you do, and you can sell yourself, basically. Um, That's I, all you, you don't have to have a degree. All you have to do is be able to sell yourself, right? We talked about this, and have confidence, and go into a job interview and just say, you need me. Give me this job. I was ahead of the curve, too, because I was into computers in the 70s. And so by the time the early 90s came, I was reaching my 30s at, at 1989. Right. In 1989, I turned 30. So that was the prime time. If you knew things about computers, there was a lot of money to be made because the Internet right. was not a thing then. I was... A, available to the government but most people never even heard of the internet till five or six years later and uh computer programming websites and all that stuff so there was a lot of money to be made in the early 90s for anybody who knew anything about computers so i was ahead of that curve and took advantage of it so right. Right. Th there's that you know opportunities and you never know where they're going to come from but i was a classic uh 
low earner in my 20s, low earner. Even the CII career job, uh, I remember because I went to a, a therapist at the time because I was uh, experiencing, I don't know if it was a depression. I just needed somebody to talk to. I went went to a therapist and I told him what I was making. He said, really, for that job, you need to you need to be making twice that. You need to be more assertive and go to these people and tell them the job you do, I, re- I think it was $8 an hour in, in 1984. Three eighty-four, and he said, mm-hmm. you, "You know that job is worth twice that easy, and when, you know even sixteen dollars an hour would would have been like a living wage in nineteen eighty-three." But well, you were, you were making eight dollars an hour when nineteen eighty-nine, I was making seven fifty an hour in two thousand six. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's crazy. But I guarantee you, if you would have went to the same therapist I would have went to, you said you gotta you gotta be more assertive and go insist on a raise and and show your worth. And I could tell you a story about I, I don't I don't know if it was two thousand six, but it was maybe seven eight. I was making seven fifty an hour, and all my money I saved. I would go from school and I would go to work every day, and I saved up all my money to buy tickets. I don't know if I told you the story. No. To my favorite band. And they were playing, uh, I forgot where they were playing, but it, they were expensive tickets. I think I spent, back then, uh, $400. Whoa. took me a long time. And I wanted front row seats, and I had this fantasy in my mind that the lead singer would look down and see me and ask me to come on stage <laughs> and marry me. I, I was young. And I so, know, I still have those fantasies. So I bought these tickets, <laughs> okay? And one for me, one for my mother, $400. And... Uh, she and I was like a rebel in school. I was failing everything. I didn't care. And she said to me, "We're not going to the concert if you fail gym." Wow. And because uh, I was failing everything else, she said, "At least don't fail gym." And I, you know, I was I was like gothic, you know, the the scene kid with the collar and the short hair and the black eyeliner, and I didn't care about anything. And um. And the day came for the concert, and uh, I was all psyched. I wore my shirt. I told everybody I'm going to go see them. They were all jealous because nobody had jobs. I had a job. My mother made me get a job. Uh, so when I came home from school, um, you know, I, I, my mother's supposed to be there. We're supposed to. She's supposed to meet Report me after school, <laughs> and we're supposed to drive to this concert together and she's not there and I'm calling her and I'm calling her and where could she be? We're going to miss the concert. I can't believe she did this to me. And she answered the phone from the concert and said, I told you not to fail your classes. So she took my brother who was, I don't know, five or six at the time. And she took my brother to the concert with, with the money my own money that I spent on tickets. That's disturbing. Now, the question I have is, did the lead singer look down at your brother and ask him if he wanted to get married? I I didn't talk to her for a very long time, and I didn't want to know. And I was very... At least sell my tickets. Yeah, no, I I understand. Now, are you too embarrassed to say who the band was? No, Fall Out Boy. Fall Out Boy. Fall Out Boy. They were my favorite. It was like my... I, I can't tell you I know any of their music. Well, um, I don't listen to them now because whenever I listened to them, I was very like angsty and angry, and you know, my childhood was very—I uh, don't know how to even say it. My mother made me live in a closet. Uh, she she gave my 
bedroom to my brother and made me live in a closet. She put my, um, oh, my brother's texting me. Can confirm the lead singer did ask to marry me. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so it's fair, it. to, it's fair to say that you're now out of the closet. Yeah. She shoved, okay. she shoved my mattress in the closet so that the door couldn't close. And I was literally lived in a closet, and she put like a like a shower curtain there for. A now day. I have to assume that this is all true because you you know your brother's listening, and you know that if it's not true, then that, that he's going to be hearing it. So this has got to be an absolutely true so, story. Yeah. <laughs> hey, brother, just confirm it's true in the chat room. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. Uh... So as I was, I was, I was crying because I was in a closet. I would listen to Fall Out Boy and cry myself to sleep. So I. So you every had, time you I had hear music them now, in the closet, you had room I have my, for a my stereo. Little, my little, no, I have my CD player. <laughs> no, I have my CD player with I my get headphones. It. And... CD player. What's a CD player? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I, and you know, so uh, whenever I hear them, I have like you know all this emotion that I. All right. Feel what it, was so. the job that to, that you were working that you needed to save up for the Fall Out Boy tickets? I worked at Ye Old Party Shop in Southold. That's no longer there. Um, see, it's true. Thanks, brother. Uh, yeah, I, it was like a it was like a Halloween store, but it was in Southold, so it was you know looked very quaint and cute. And uh, I, you yeah, know, now I'm thinking if you were making seven fifty an hour, uh, and they taxed that, and even if you were working forty hours a week, which uh, I wasn't because I was you think I came out of school and then they were right. open till six, so, so it took a long making, time. You were making twenty hours working twenty hours a week tops, Probably. right? Well, yeah. if I was if I was, I don't know, I can't do the math, 14, 13 or 14 at the time, I could only... That probably work... took you six weeks to, to two months to save up for those tickets. Yeah. And mom went without you. And, and So the question is, uh, really, you failed Jim? I, I mean, all that that's required for Jim is to 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 become prepared. Like you're you're wearing the gym outfit. Yeah. No, I didn't play. I didn't want to play. I would sit on the sidelines with my. They friends. don't fail you for that. They only fail you for coming unprepared. No, they fail. Well, I wasn't prepared. I didn't change into my gym clothes. Oh. I would sit on the bleachers. I said, "I'm not. Pl I, I'm not playing." Oh well, I would fail Nothing. you too then. Yeah, they failed me. So, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I I uh, I have to admit that I failed Jim as well, but because, only because I didn't show up for an entire year. I didn't show up for an entire year. The entire uh, year, Jim, or the entire year of school? Almost all of school. I would go to uh, generally go to homeroom, uh, check in for the day, and then go to the woods across the street and get high, and then go home. Mm. That Sounds was like my dream. that was my daily routine for all of ninth grade. Every ninth day, grade. Yeah. Get get off the bus, go into homeroom, and then walk out of the building, walk across the street to the woods, get high, and then walk home. I did something similar. I well, that was my senior year, and right. so I almost I almost couldn't graduate. Um, and I took my finals, and I think I had to pass math, or I wasn't going to graduate. And the what? lady, she gave me a sixty-five. She passed me, so I kissed her on the lips. I did great because in I New did. York State, if you pass the regents, they had to pass you for the year. So I could not go to school for the entire year and take all the regents and ace the regents. Is that and still? Does that still apply today? I don't think so. Yeah, probably changed. I think I you know. have to. You have to have a certain amount of 
of hours. Attending. You can't not go to school and still get through school. I don't think anymore. Uh, right. Times were different then. I remember having the principal call me because we were going on a class trip. And the principal called me at home. I answered the phone. First, he called me, and I I picked up the phone and said, uh, this is uh, uh, Donald Mills, principal of the high school. And I hung up on him. <laughs> he called back again, and I answered. <laughs> and he said, I just wanted to tell you that we approved that you can go on the trip. Like, he's calling me at home while I'm cutting out of school, haven't been there all year, and calling me to tell me it's okay for me to go on the class trip. <laughs> Are, you, Are you kidding me, dude? So did you go? Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bizarre, but just the fact. And I was with a bunch of. We were having a party. There was a party at my house. We were all getting stoned, and uh, the phone rang. And I, uh, in those days, nobody had caller ID, so I answered it. It was right. it was Mr. Mills, and I was like, right. in panic, I hung up on him, and he called back, and like, oh, we must have got cut off. Yeah, we got cut off. You got cut off. Right. I hung up on you, dude. <laughs> and wow. then. Uh, I had to talk to him, and he was just telling me that it was okay for me to go on the class. You realize I got a, a, a pot party going on here in my um, in my house, and we're all supposed to be in school right now, and we're none of, none of us are even. Close I feel to like it. a lot of us have 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 done that. I I mean, it, it's a thing to do. I mean, if you're not a nerd, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I. I I threw some parties that got out of hand when my mother wasn't around, and there it was. It was. Crazy. Yeah, have your parents come home during one of these parties? Because I did. We we had no. people running out the back door like crazy. No, uh, my father came home early from work one day. I I, we, I had a house full of people and pot smoke everywhere and and a keg or something ridiculous like that. And my father came home early, and all of a sudden, like twenty kids come running out of the back door. Was he mad? <laughs> I think I caught a beating that day. Yeah, mm. I think. No, I, I, uh, no, she never found out. But I, I had to scrub the house down. Like it took me a long time. It took me half a day because she had gone to Connecticut for something. And when when she came back with her boyfriend, they stepped into the door and and into the room and the and her boyfriend said, uh, "Smells like someone partied in here." Oh. But she, nah, nah. Yeah, I think your mom stopped listening to the show. I I haven't gotten many uh, hateful comments from her uh, recently, so I think hateful she's... comments. Well, not she 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 doesn't think much of my um, spirituality, I guess, or my commitment to religion or faith or any of that stuff. No comment. Yeah. No. So yeah, I, she's not a fan of mine, but she was listening. Obviously, she she was listening to hear you. She's not uh, so a fan of mine. She must be on some level, or she wouldn't have been listening. Why uh, would she? To judge, to. Uh, I think I gave her enough reasons to judge. Confirmation for herself that I am the daughter she always thought I was, which is, you know, not a daughter at all. Something like that. You're a good you mother. Know? Does she? Does she acknowledge that? Does she care about her grandchildren? Does she? Even She's have... never seen her grandchildren, so i wow. assume not that's a that's a heavy thing especially for a woman i could see a, a grandfather not have not having a whole lot of interest in not that i would be that way but i could see some grumpy old men not having any interest mm. in their grandchildren but if i judge my wife's interest in a my wife loves her grandchild even more than she loved her children and i think most women are that way i've heard yeah that's that's probably true for most women because yeah. you, you know you don't have to discipline 
the grandchild as much as you did with your own child. You could, you know, be lenient and enjoy them. She does. She has. Yeah. She, she feels like she, she's, you know, responsible for. And, and, yeah, and you're at a. But I remember life- when Sarah told us she was. Sarah was 19 when she got pregnant, and I was preaching. It's nice to get married young. Get married young. Don't have kids young. Wait to have kids. Wait till you're established. Have a right good financial foundation and all that stuff. And I'm preaching all that stuff. And we went to the beach, and uh, um, my wife. Uh, told me after they left we dropped them off and my wife was doing dishes and she said I have to tell you something Sarah's pregnant I said Uh. and you seem happy about it and she started dancing she said yeah we're gonna have a baby I was like no this is not a good thing she was so excited about like it was the greatest news I was like no it's not my mother my mother excommunicated me when I told her I was pregnant so excommunicated well whatever I use that word a lot (laughs) I use that word a lot and it doesn't mean what it means, but, um, in a sense, uh, yeah, I told her and, um, she, she, we lived in the same house, but she went in her own room. Every time I came home, she would go in her room and shut the door. And at one point she left a nasty note under my pillow about how ashamed she was and how I did this on purpose because I didn't want to work. I want, you know, and stuff like that. And so this show um, is really it, what it really is is like a mutual therapy session here. We yeah. should be sending each other bills, yeah, uh, just rehashing everything that went wrong in our childhood. But I, I mean, um, you know, uh, yeah, having children young. Um, so yes and no. I, I know that a lot of people say you know wait and be and get established, but at the same time, then you're having kids in your forties. There's a balance to be cut here, and then now. you're tired. So. Like, you know, but ki- I mean, kids will come when, you know, and I mean, no matter where you are, you just have to adjust. No, that I, I yeah. completely agree. And I don't disagree that there people having them too late in life yeah. are asking for a whole lot of trouble. Like, not that it's bad to have it in your not, 40s, but it's, but it's not bad, just, but it's going to yeah. be it's going to be really you can't adjust to the no sleeping at 60 years old as like you can in 20, yeah. uh, 20. But I do think 19 is too young. 23, 25 is a good age, if, if provided that you've gotten serious about because the worst thing you can do is have kids when you can't even take care of yourself. You can't financially. If you're still dependent on help from other people at that point, to have kids, you're just putting a burden on them and you're not doing a good service to to kids if you can't support them. I mean, yeah, I will say one thing. The kids are resilient and will adapt to basically anything. Um, There was a point where, if my brother's still listening, we were living, well, he was too small, but we were living in motels and eating spam and, and canned peas. And I just thought it was freaking awesome because, you know, it's like vacation. There's a pool and right. and mom's not cooking because she, you know, couldn't really cook. You know, so we're eating Spam, which tasted way better than what she... So kids will find, like, you know, the fun and everything. Um, it's this only when, they, when they're older that they develop these psychological issues like, like we experience now. Right, you know, and then we go back in our childhood and say, "Oh, that's why I am the way I am." But I, but I try I, not to blame the my my shortcomings on my upbringing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to acknowledge it. It's good to acknowledge that you know, once you acknowledge it, that I'm the way I am and behaving the way I am because of this, then that's how you can overcome. 
you know, so you have to acknowledge it first. And then, and then to place blame after that, after knowing, then, then it's wrong because then you're using it as an excuse. I, I can't really draw a, a, a straight line between the kind of insane upbringing I had and the kind of weird person I became. They, it, <laughs> it, it, there's no like direct correlation that, you know, your family loses you at a racetrack that you're going <laughs> to. Or, you know, the fact that I was in a casino at three years old and, and there's like a novelty act so, uh, playing blackjack in, with, with professional gamblers or stuff like that. Or coming home uh, from ninth grade in high school to have both my parents in jail, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. It doesn't. There's no direct correlation wow. between that and just what a kind of weirdo. I, I well, became. you grew up you grew up early you grew up at, at a young age you had to and but I, i'm I, also very immature my well, whole life yeah. so i grew up into in in terms of making sure i survived i right. had survival skills but in a lot of ways i'm still 15 years old emotionally but I, so, I so is for, everybody though i i mean people hide it well but we're all are you know you hear the inner child you have to make peace with your inner child right we're yeah. all children inside and in fact right how do we you know how do we get to heaven is to be like little children so you know we we often equate growing up with i know i'm preaching and then i just think of all the things we talk about with william conway and i'm like oh. but um what, what do i talk about with william like peepees and butts and stuff and but anyway oh. um <laughs> yeah but as i think of that i'm like oh stop um what was I saying? Oh, no. So we equate growing up with, with suppressing our inner child and becoming this, you know, straight-laced, black and white, you know, Yeah, um, person, I, I, just, but... I still want to just put on, uh, get high and put on my headphones and listen to rock music like a 15-year-old. That's what I want to do. Because you're... <laughs> oh, you lost it again. Are you there? Nope. We, you got no sound. Uh-huh. Well, maybe it's time for us to go. How about that? Because we're our overtime. Wait, let me see if I let me see if I bring you out and bring you right back in. Are you there now? Nope, we can't hear you. Your sound goes off. Testing one, two, three. Testing. I think she's coming back to say goodbye. Anyway, it's been a long show with with no guests. I'm gonna probably uh, try to make Peter Parker's feel a little guilty about not showing up today uh, i'm probably gonna send him a a message like thanks for letting me down buddy you really let me down." okay yeah. i'm just gonna say what i have to say before my father calls me again because it's him okay. he keeps calling me um, frank stop calling her uh i forgot what i was gonna say uh, no, whatever you, whatever it is but yeah uh, we should all we should all embrace our inner child and you know don't place blame on our parents because we're all imperfect and we no, I've forgiven my parents. I definitely have yeah. forgiven my parents for uh, not knowing how to be parents. I don't think anybody does. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. I'm going to play the music and let you out of here. And yeah, then... before he calls me again. Yeah, Bye. Frank, don't call anymore. Now you can call her. See you later. Call me now. At some point, the happy minute turned into a happy hour and a half. Uh, and we, it's like a daily basis now, but that's okay. Isn't that okay? Anyway, I'm sorry for this show today. Guests did not show up. Peter's Parker's, Peter's Parker's. 
I'm Matt Snappos. Um, <laughs> the plural stuff, double plurals, especially. Uh, anyway, tomorrow, William Conway will be my guest. William will show up. William always shows up. William's a show up, stand up type of guy. The fastest gun in the West. Anyway, look forward to talking to him tomorrow. And that should be interesting. It's always fun to talk to William. William is a fun guy and a a guy who's remarkably positive considering all the negative things that have happened to him in his life. And he's, in a way, very inspirational, at least to me. And I enjoy him, and I, I know you will too. So join us tomorrow. Tonight on Mind Dog TV, Craig Mitchell, uh, comedian, former comedian, I guess once you're a comedian, you're always a comedian. And now chef and host of the Off the Cuff cooking uh, show, which is basically mixes a little comedy with diabetes to recipes for foods that non-diabetics can eat and enjoy. You know, the kind of stuff that, you know, carefree people, people who don't have to worry about their diet can eat, but now people who have special dietary needs, like people with diabetes 2, or type 2, can enjoy the same kind of foods. And I'm talking about everything, whether it be, I don't know, candies, cakes, tacos, whatever. He's got a recipe for it that you can have uh, if you have special dietary needs. So Craig will be with me. He's been with me before. He's a friend, and uh, he'll he'll be with me at 8, 8 p.m. tonight. So I hope you'll join me then. Uh, Till then, I'm Matt Napo for Coffee with the Dog. I guess um, thanks for being here. No, I don't just guess that. Thank you very much for being here and putting up with us today and uh, being part of the program. Appreciate all your comments. Keep them coming. Tell your friends about the show and all that stuff. And uh, don't forget to turn on your radio.
to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.